All right, y'all, tune in to a good day on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Maybe a better one than yesterday. It was intense yesterday. Maybe intense again today. We're going to find out. But uh, if you're into brain health breakthroughs, we got you covered today. First hour, Peggy Sarlin is back on the Robert Scott Bell Show. It's going to be awesome. And uh, then we have uh, some Breast Cancer Awareness Month discussions that are not approved by the FDA with Megan Smith. And that's a good thing. You know that they're going to be helpful for you. The homeopathic hit of the day, I'm worried we're going to get banned for covering it. Uh, it starts with the letter O, but you'll have to go to robertscottbell.com to find out what that is before we get there. Uh, also, is serfdom humanity's default setting? I know it's not mine, probably not yours, but it's a big question. I'm going to attempt to answer it in the midst of the heaviest emotionality on the planet right now that I was feeling yesterday, feeling a little bit of the residue uh, today. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Chime on in at the chat room at robertscabell.com slash listen, or if you're watching on one of the social media outlets we're not banned on, welcome everybody and on Rumble. Shout out to you there. Come on board and let's get this healing party started right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Anybody else feel that yesterday? A heaviness, uh, a raw emotion, uh, you know, just kind of a, a difficult day yesterday for me. It's what it felt like. I look back on on the experience yesterday on the show. I mean, the people were, were great on the show. Super Don was wonderful. Uh, but it was just always, I, and maybe it was a residue from the trip, which was a good trip, but just, you know, those things happen when you come off of these events that that you do. Uh, but yesterday I just felt it. And today there's a little bit of lingering uh, symptomatology I can talk about in my body. I woke up today with a little uh, of the chelidonium point pain. You all know from the homeopathic hits, and I've talked about it for many years, the chelidonium point is the point at the top of your liver the right-hand side of your body on the back, in the, above the ribs, uh, in between, um, well, it's, it's, it's the chelidonium point. That's where it is, top of the liver. And if you ever have that ache, uh, of course, it could mean liver congestion. Uh, your body's trying to tell you, hey, you know, maybe you ate something, maybe you didn't drink enough water, any number of things, you've been exposed to some, some toxin in some way, and it's going, hello, do something, care for your liver, do something a little extra. But there's another aspect of uh, the chelidonium point for me. If, if I happen to go through kind of an intense day or an emotional stress, and then you, you can kind of feel it linger. Remember, uh, the, the liver is often the storehouse, not only of toxins, or it's trying to remove them, but often if it's not working well, they kind of hang out there. Uh, but it also is a storehouse of certain emotions like anger. And I, I'd be, uh, I guess, not human to not feel a little bit of anger about what's going on on planet earth. Not that it's not always going on, but it more overtly in our face right now uh, with, you know, teetering on the brink of one more war, another war, another war, an expansion of a war, that kind of thing. And I, I certainly don't like to focus my attention there. It's not the intent or purpose of this show where we focus. And I focus mostly on reminding you that the power to heal is yours. And that power comes from God, not government. And your rights come from God, not government, that kind of thing. But I look at, this experience on this planet in the you know, third rock from the sun and a solar system in a, in a universe of creation that's far beyond our ability to comprehend it with our minds. And, and I say, well, 
I've, I've read about history, a lot in history, and I've seen that we've done a lot of wars. There's been a lot of warfaring on this planet. And, you know, it's big news when peace breaks out or you can live, you know, in peace for a long time. Now, uh, because I'm Gen X, you know, we grew up uh, when the Vietnam, as I call it, police, United Nations police action, we call it the Vietnam War, but it wasn't officially declared war under Congress under a constitution. Uh, and yet I was too young to know much about what was going on there. I've talked to you uh, about my uncle, the medical doctor, my uncle Bob, who told me not to become a medical doctor. Uh, and yet he was, he was a medical doctor. He warned me and I've told that story as well. He was a medic in Vietnam as a, as a young, young, young boy growing up in my teen years, I really looked up to and enjoyed my time with my uncle Bob. And we would talk about some hard things, including some of the things that he had seen that traumatized him in Vietnam. And, you know, if to say war is hell, I don't think that encompasses what it really is, uh, but it's, it's hell on earth to live in the midst of ongoing warfare. Now, we in the United States for the most, most of our lives, even you know in World War II prior to my arrival and many of your arrivals on this scene, unless you believe in reincarnation, then maybe you were there too. Uh, but beyond that, uh, we in America have been pretty much shielded because we've got these oceans surrounding us. And for the most part, Canada hasn't been a problem uh, you know, of invasion uh, capacity. And, and Mexico now we're seeing the issue is more or less our willingness to open borders to anybody, including potential terrorists or those that mean to do us harm. But we have been pretty much um, not subjected to daily you know, warfare on the streets of any city, although we have seen the degradation of what we call the rule of law in certain areas where uh, the police have been defunded or pulled out. I wish we didn't need police, but I guess it's the, uh, the reality also that people aren't willing to govern their own behavior to live within the common law that is due unto others as you would have done unto you, golden rule or Mayberry's two laws, do all you have agreed to do and do not encroach on other persons or the property. It seems to be uh, basic concepts that humanity either forgets or is unwilling to learn or embed into the DNA. And so the question with the article of that opens the Robert Scott Bell show today, and by the way, we've got, we've got a lot of discussion points on health topics, including um, brain health breakthroughs related to Alzheimer's, dementia, memory loss as such. Uh, we've got Peggy Sarlin joining us in a moment. And then we'll be talking about breast cancer issues in, in the next hour as well. But I, ha I would be remiss if I didn't just communicate what I'm feeling about the things that are going on. And, and my sadness, my frustration, and my anger as I talked about the human conditions. For those of you who know the homeopathic hits, what's the homeopathic remedy for uh, pretty intense anger? It's stramonium. What is it when you're frustrated with the, the, the news of the day or whatever's going on? It's Argentum nitricum. What is it if you exhaust yourself through those first two phases of emotionality into depression, you might consider looking into the homeopathic remedy known as sepia for one. And we've got, again, a different homeopathic hit of the day later in the show. But the human condition teeters between those three phases often, anger, frustration, sadness, frustration, anger, depending on our energy level. And we look around and say, well, what can I do? You know, what can I do? I, I you know, do you, for those of you who, who see an atrocity and you want to go in and make it right because you have a, a strong sense of justice within you. Many of us do. You see somebody harmed or wronged or robbed or beaten and you want to step in and, and, and make right what is wrong. Yet we see those who have been victimized in a most horrific way in, 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 in the 20th century. If we talk about, 
the attempt to uh, exterminate a people, you know, under Nazi atrocities, targeting the Jews primarily, although not exclusively, uh, into a Holocaust. And then you find out, you know, within the last three or four years, many of those people who are either still alive, not many, or who are descendants of those who, who survived and came to a place called Israel, were subjected to similar atrocities, although not as overt, maybe covert, with broad, crass experimentation on them through the deals made with Pfizer to mandate uh, COVID injections to all the people of Israel. And we were aghast. I was aghast, uh, you know, of you know, being of, uh, of Jewish origin, you know, my ancestry, et cetera, my mom being born in what was in Palestine, surviving through the wars into Israel and all of that. So there's a lot of, you know, folks there that are, are very good people that are not interested in harming or killing people and wanton death and destruction. And yet there are people, you know, all around Israel who have been born and raised to believe that their uh, sole mission should be the eradication of Jews in the state of Israel. It's a hard place to be. It's different from here in America where we are surrounded by oceans, as I said, and for the most part, not really considered to be a threat and threatened by invasion, for instance. And as I've traveled around the world to different places, including my journeys into Africa and West Africa, where there is poverty that it's much more overt. When we talk about poverty in America, uh, it's like people living almost as kings and queens in other countries, relatively speaking. So again, it's all relative, isn't it? But your experience is your experience and mine is mine. And when I went to Africa and met with some of the people there and, uh, and I saw a great appreciation for life that I, I maybe didn't even have just because, you know, I grew up in an America where you didn't want for anything. It, even if even if you didn't have all the latest, greatest toys, you still had a roof over your head for the most part. You still had food in your belly. You got clothes on your body. And so the basic needs or life were, were pretty much expected to be met, even again, uh, amongst many people who are considered poor in America relative to what's considered poor in other countries. And I would meet with those people and learn about their perspective on life, how they had to have what I call absolute reliance on divine spirit. And you, everybody has a different name for it, but hopefully you get the impression what I'm trying to share with you, that, that connecting force that gives us all life for guidance. And they didn't have a realistic expectation that they would live through each day that they woke up. They felt grateful to be alive because at any moment, a bandit, roving group of bandits could come in and hack them up. I mean, I don't mean to be graphic here, but that's the life of some people on this planet. And if you've lived in Israel and those surrounding war-torn regions, your life is quite different on this planet. You live on the same planet, you're still a human being, you might have different beliefs about you, but you may have been programmed into hatred or you might feel hatred because of the conditions that you've been subjugated or subject to in your lifetime. And so these big questions arise, and certainly you've had them. I've had them growing up. You know, why, to, why do bad things happen to good people? These are great philosophical questions. You'll ask the rabbi, you'll ask the priest, you'll ask the imam, you'll ask whatever religious or non-religious group you're in, you'll ask people, philosophers, why, why, why? These are big questions. And, and as I look around and I'm saddened and disappointed in humanity, not that I'm, you know, better than anybody, that's not my point in saying that, I'm part of that human family. But the question is, have we learned nothing that we have to divide, be divided so we can be conquered or be part of the dividing and conquering? Be part of the, uh, I guess, a hatred machinery that supports perpetual warfare? 
and we can get into the the politics of capturing governments via you know military industrial complex medical pharmaceutical industrial complex and realizing that much of the world the western world operates on the you know sales of products that have special protections granted to it by governments including of course the united states in terms of protection against liability should products injure or kill like these so-called vaccines and we have lived through the strengthening of that monopoly to the point where even in america a place where you thought you were free if you have a tool a technique a remedy a medicine a natural non-patentable form of something in nature that you bring out that can, for instance, cure, relieve, heal something like Alzheimer's and dementia or cancer or other autoimmune diseases. And you want to bring that out to the people because you think this is a great thing. This is something that will help people. And you find out your government that you thought was your government will work diligently to make sure that you can't do that by almost any means necessary. They will bankrupt you. They will imprison you. They will take away everything you own or threaten to do so because you have a remedy for cancer that's not approved by what I call the fear and death administration. So in many ways, when we see the wars that are occurring on this planet between peoples or governments, I want to acknowledge something in the United States of America. Our government or what we think is our government has been at war with us for a long time simply because we choose not to get injected with experimental intoxicants, whether it be of the COVID variety or prior to that. Or if you have a child suffering with cancer and you as a parent have done diligence and research like extraordinary beyond any doctor and have found that the chemo and radiation that they want to mandate your child get is more deadly than the cancer. And you decide to go with herbs and homeopathy and detoxification techniques and energy, all of these things. They will steal your child from you as if they own your child and they were just letting you think you were the parent. So in many ways, warfare exists on, on various levels. Some of it subtle and quiet and silent, others more overt and kinetic. So even if we are not in the Middle East, engaged in warfare or subjugated by you know, warring uh, governments or factions, in many ways, the war is on our freedom to exist peacefully in a way that threatens the power structure of those who seem to only thrive when they are owning and controlling you, me, or anyone or everybody. And so when I ask the question of what is humanity's default setting, as this question is posed in the Brownstone Institute article by Rob Jenkins, is serfdom humanity's default? I could ask, is warfare humanity's default? Is subjugation humanity's default? Is slavery humanity's default in terms of serfdom? And we see these patterns repeat over and over and over again. And this is why I was so disgusted with history when I was in grade school and high school even through much of university level history, because it, it wasn't an actual history that would empower you with information as to how and why things occurred rather than that they occurred and the dates they occurred and might who be the players when it occurred completely devoid of any connection to anything that preceded it. It was a, a history of victimization to perpetuate victimization. In other words, if you were teaching people about history, this war happened here, this is, and why did it happen? Uh, never mind that. Remember what date it happened. 
What is it that drives us? In America, in the American experiment, it was a people from all over that converged on this continent. And yes, it displaced people that had been there, so-called natives of this continent, for thousands of years or millennia before that. But that also is the nature of humanity, apparently, that a life cycle, a consciousness cycle runs its course and starts to dissipate and something else comes in that may be considered destructive, but it also creates a new, some other potential of even renewed spirituality, renewed connection to something deeper. When I talk about freedom as my default setting, it isn't so that I can run roughshod over everybody else's freedom. It's a recognition that my freedom ends where another's begins. And that of course asks that I behave as an adult. And I'm talking about a spiritual maturity beyond the the body politic, which rarely shows maturity and begins to engage in something that many of you, I believe in this audience desire. Who, are, who don't have a bloodlust for killing and death and mayhem and destruction and don't fall prey to the horrible events that occur that then lead to a spirit of vengeance. Whereas as I, as I say that and have acknowledged that we have a right and obligation to defend ourselves as do the people of Israel or anywhere. But at the same time, it seems to be a no-win situation emerging further and further in the Middle East as there are elements from United States, from China, from Russia, from various places around the globe that are invested in driving people into serfdom, slavery, through war, perpetual war. Again, I repeat some things that have been said many times here and in history, all wars are bankers' wars. War is a racket. On and on it goes. But how how much are we subject to this manipulation? For those that are calling for peace, do I believe that they are naive? No, I believe there's a genuine desire for those that are calling for it. At the same time, the people have subjugated themselves or uh, established or identified or adopted serfdom status in regards to the governments that don't serve them, but who rule over them. And I come back to the grand experiment known as America, which as much as I don't want to ever see America perish from the face of the earth, because where does freedom break out next? I don't have an answer for that. There is no other country that is rooted and founded in a principle of defense of individual liberty, an acknowledgement that your rights exist by virtue of your very existence, and they come from God, not government or creator, preceding government, even the government instituted among men known as, you know, via the Declaration of Independence, then Articles of Confederation to a constitution, which many people run roughshod over and don't actually acknowledge what it means as we have the Hegelian dialectic playing out between Republicans and Democrats, realizing it's one party various uh, manifestations of war parties with some exceptions within them trying to do their best as, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is trying to run as a Democrat, realized they condemned him to never be allowed to, to actually win anything there. Now running as an independent. Now the debate is, will he curtail Trump from getting reelected or Biden from getting reelected or somebody else comes in at the last minute? And then we get caught up in once again, the idea of a political savior or political saviors. Rather than acknowledging that our individual state of consciousness, mine, yours, has a greater impact than they would ever want you to know. That if you could spiritualize your consciousness, and this isn't in a new age, airy fairy, uh, uh, you know, uh, what was it in the 60s hippies kind of a scenario, but in a very mature way, recognizing the power that you have been given by God that created you to outcreate those that would apply fear 
as their only tool, their last resort, when you're not going along to get along with their agendas and they, what, frighten you into the fear of a germ, in this case, COVID, for instance, what we went through. And we've been debating and discussing what would the next thing be. Yesterday, I talked about that. What could, what could be more, let's say, effective in creating the fear necessary to once again divide people of planet Earth to allow them to then support warfare efforts that were waning in terms of the money being thrown to Ukraine by the American people, even Democrats were going, what is going on here? This is ridiculous. And even many Democrats looking at the southern border and going, that's ridiculous too. And they couldn't keep holding on to this, this agenda of destruction of the last defense, the last bastion of freedom on, on, on the planet. As a, as, as a system, if you will. And I realize we haven't, as Americans, lived up to that ideal often. But it's still an ideal that's worthy of striving towards. But what is it that they could do? And then I look at what happened right as the money for Ukraine was waning. Bingo, bango, bongo. Israel somehow doesn't know that there's an attack coming or the government of it. And then controversies abound. Did they stand down? Did they allow it to happen? Much like we talk about world pre-World War II, America's entry, the need for a Pearl Harbor event, which was Pearl Harbor, a 9-11, the PNAC, the Project for a New American Century, that commissioned report was saying we need a new Pearl Harbor in order for Americans to get behind permanent, you know, residents in the Middle East, establishing outposts, et cetera, for the access to oil or other things. And so all of these times we can feel like mere pawns in the midst of something too large for any of us to address directly or head on. And it would be foolhardy to do so for those that went into the uh, Capitol on January 6th. And they called that an insurrection. The only insurrection that was fairly much pretty much unarmed <laughs> taking on a nuclear power. Yes, we're going to sit on Nancy Pelosi's chair and that's it. The takeover is complete. Yet, as much as people are using the justification of oppression and other things for terroristic activity and killing and maiming and raping and doing horrible things to innocent people, uh, you know, what about those people on January 6th? Did they not feel oppressed? Did they not feel robbed and cheated, whether they were right or wrong? Is it the same? Can you equate that and go, well, they had a reasonable defense as those are coming to the defense of those who have done heinous acts. And this is not to condone any out. Uh, re reverse heinous acts in, in, in regards to what's going on here. So I bring this up. I talk about these things not to solve the problems that I am not delusional to solve, except to acknowledge the power of the individual, each and every one of you, through prayer, through contemplation, through meditation, through uh, chanting of sacred words to uh, transform your state of consciousness because you have that power from God to do so, to outweigh, if you will, or out create those that want to frighten you into obedience into subservience or into states of permanent war and violence and hatred. You don't have to participate. What if they threw a war and no one showed up? I know that's a lot to ask for, maybe too much to ask for, but in our lives to recognize that power has been granted us by that, which created us all. So I take a deep breath now and maybe I've forgotten everything I've said because the topic comes up. When we talk about memory, we talk about moving through life without dementia and Alzheimer's. What can we do? What options do we have? 
We have someone right now that will talk to us about that. Awakening from Alzheimer's, how America's most innovative doctors are reversing Alzheimer's dementia and memory loss. She wrote that and it's done a lot of great things. And there's a new webinar coming up or Summit Brain Health Breakthroughs. I want to welcome back to the Robert Scott Bell Show, Peggy Sarlin. Peggy! Hi. My own concerns of the planet. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Robert, I listen to every word. And I want to say it's very clear we're living in extraordinary times and times of unprecedented stress. And what will be our best ally? Our brain functioning at optimal levels and our brain is under constant attack including just one element you mentioned the stress how you weren't feeling right yes you know chronic stress is one of the biggest risk factors for alzheimer's and dementia chronic stress uh, releases a continual flow of cortisol and the cortisol shrinks the hippocampus, the short-term memory center where Alzheimer's begins. And so I think in a way it might seem like your topic, your intro and my intro are totally, you know, my topic are totally different. To me, they're one and the same. We know what we can do to improve our brain health, to prevent brain damage, and to optimize brain function. And your doctor is not going to tell you. Your doctor will have no idea. 99% of doctors, uh, of neurologists, of geriatricians, <laughs> of psychiatrists, of people should, who should know about the brain, 99% of them will have no idea of the extraordinary revolution we're living through in brain health and reversing dementia. So, well, and this chronic stress, us. Peggy, that you're talking about, you know, creates this concept of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, but the post never happens. It's ongoing traumatic dis stress disorder. You know, the, the you know er, er, every time it's now it's COVID, now it's war, now it's this, it's the bank, it's the economy. And as, you know, I would argue, as much as I appreciate this mind that I have, this brain that I have, which I look at more as a computer, unfortunately, a lot of people let it rule them. Uh, but it's a tool, you know, even from a cognitive perspective to learn from history, you know, it runs through that brain. Uh, and I'm thinking, you know, the only thing we can do now is forget everything that we should be, have, should have learned. And that's almost a, a, a forced through education or indoctrination, Alzheimer's. It's like not actually Alzheimer's, but it's like we want you to make sure you never learn or you forget what you've learned so that we can manipulate and control you. Uh, but for those that have lived a long life and are concerned, rightly so, that they may forget everything. If you've ever seen someone go through Alzheimer's or dementia and how that affects not only them and their frustration, but the people around them that love them, it's like they've lost their entire life experience toward the end of their life. And, uh, you know, this, again, I, I see that as another layer of the medical industrial complex, as you point out, uh, either unable or unwilling to address the things that you know and that I know that can reverse this nonsense, this, this trend and this disaster. Well, modern life is an assault on our health. That's just the way it is. Um, and modern life is an assault in our, on our brain. And our brain is the command and control center of absolutely everything we do. Um, just to speak a word of respect about our brain, it's just three pounds there between our ears. But it's, it's an absolute 
miracle. It only takes up about two or three percent of our body weight, but it uses 20 percent of our energy, of our metabolic energy. It's so active and it needs us to take care of it. And it's one quadrillion synaptic connections. <laughs> we have to be good to it. And so, um, as you mentioned, I've uh, written this book. This is now in the third edition. I've updated it. It's uh, it's over 10 years old. This is the third edition now, brand new, and Awakening from Alzheimer's. And I have a new summit called Brain Health Breakthroughs, which you can sign up for and uh, watch everything free. And I'm interviewing the most brilliant researchers and doctors of our time. And in case you don't know, we're living in the day. This is the dawn of the age of the end of Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is now optional. You could take a walk out in the street and you could be passing people who are actual Alzheimer's survivors. Just as there are cancer survivors among us, there are Alzheimer's survivors among us. And very few people know that, and that is my mission. And it's my mission to prevent you from ever getting it, because Alzheimer's, as we can tell from brain images, starts maybe 20 or 30 years before it outwardly manifests. So you can start today. The sooner you start taking care of your brain, the greater your chances are of preserving and enhancing your brain health. So this is incredibly valuable information. And if you go to your doctor, they're just going to want to give you a pill and the pills don't work and the pills are dangerous. Well, as, but, as but they are expensive. Yes, so they, they got are. that going yeah. for them. <laughs> but as I mentioned, you know, existing under what we call a pharmaceutical or medical monopoly, that's not where innovation happens. Innovation happens in freedom. And the doctors who are speaking at your summit and, and those who I've interviewed over the years and the things I've learned, happen outside of the realm of the strict regulatory limitations on what is allowed to be done to so-called prevent or reverse something like dementia and Alzheimer's. So much of what we do never sees the official light of day. In fact, uh, you know, a lot of it gets shut down overtly. You know, we've talked about a lot of censorship that's occurred during COVID. I've talked about it even prior to COVID, those who have innovated in certain fields like cancer therapy uh, that go outside of the chemo bo box are, are, you know, either attacked to, uh, to, the, to the realm of destruction or somehow censored so that people don't learn about the things that you want to share with people. Well, that's why it's so important that we keep on plugging. You know, you keep plugging and I'll keep plugging. I want to get the word out. And some of it's getting out. For instance, Dr. Dale Bredesen is the leader in this field. And he is interviewed. I interview him in this. And I know your audience is going to want to hear what he has to say because he is the absolute giant in this field. And I also interview Dr. Kat Toops, very eminent psychiatrist who worked with Dr. Bredesen on a recent study that was published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. So to speak to your point, that's kind of a mainstream scholarly publication and they allowed it to be published. And what their uh, study showed was using the interventions that Dr. Uh, Bredesen and many of the other doctors that I interviewed uh, used, 
84% of the patients showed cognitive improvement, judging by their MOCA scores, judging by what the family said about them, judging by before and after videos. But even more stunningly, this is what I love, by the brain imagery. So as you get older, it's just a natural thing. You get older, you lose density of gray cells. That happens. And your hippocampus, which as I mentioned before, is where Alzheimer's starts, your, your hippocampus shrinks. That's just part of getting older and it's not good. We don't want that, but that's what happens. In this study of Alzheimer's patients, with before and after the infra, uh, interventions, looking at their brain imagery, their gray matter increased and their hippocampus grew larger. So regular people who were just getting a day older, you know, every day, their, their brain imagery would show less dense gray matter and smaller hippocampus. And the diagnosed Alzheimer's patients were going in the reverse direction, which is, according to medical science, uh, as it's understood now, a complete mm -hmm. uh, impossibility. It's right. not possible. Impossible yeah. is happening every day. Yes, exactly. Well, that's why it's so important what you're doing. And I'm so glad Thank that you're you. here to share that as well as this upcoming summit that I hope everybody would sign up for to learn about these things. I don't know of anybody that is not concerned at least a little bit about brain health, neurological health now and into the future or have family members that are on the way or already showing signs of this. And to your point, again, it doesn't happen overnight. None of these things do. In fact, long before they're diagnosed, there are signs that I think people that are more holistically inclined, oriented or sensitive to can pick out. But the things that we talk about in terms of detoxification of the body, uh, the role of heavy metals, um, glyphosate even, um, mm -hmm. essential fats in the 20th century, we were frightened away from fat. We replaced fat with sugar and the fat we used was hydrogenated and trans fats that were highly inflammatory and damaging to the brain and nervous system and every system of the body, endocrine inclusive. And so gut microbiome plays a role here. We talk about neurotransmitter production Absolutely. happening by gut microbes. Uh, there's mm -hmm. so much that has not been acknowledged even today, even as you point out, yes, there are some things breaking through into the peer-reviewed medical literature, astonishingly, uh, that can show signs of the direction we need to move and that many that were denigrated prior might be or should be lauded as heroes for pointing it out and continue to fight for this kind of information. Well, I'm glad you brought up the fats. Fats are an absolutely central part of recovering your brain health. And the brain is 70% fat. It needs fats. And this demonization of fats, which we now know from a historian who was going through the archives at Harvard of their School of Public Health and discovered the, uh, caught them red-handed. There was archival documentation there of the dean of public health um, taking essentially bribes from the sugar industry to demonize fat and thereby take away the spotlight from sugar. And so much of this horrible uh, collapse of health we're seeing in America, and all you have to do is go out and walk around and look at people and you can see it, is due to this 
horrible, horrible uh, betrayal of the mission of public health. Um, we need good, healthy fats. Now, Dr. Heather Sanderson, now I, I really do urge everybody, please sign up for this summit. You're going to want to hear Dr. Bredesen and you're wanna, going to hear his colleague, Dr. Heather Sanderson. And, I'm going to, and, and let me give you a quote and then I'll tell you what Dr. Sanderson is doing. Dr. Sanderson says, I will not work with anybody who is not willing to at least try a ketogenic diet. So this is one of the most important aspects of optimizing brain health, reversing damage, is that you want to eat a very healthy diet without the trans fats that you mentioned, without all those chemicals in there, without mm -hmm. the sugar, and to get yourself metabolically flexible, meaning that your body can use glucose as fuel and it can switch as necessary to use ketones as fuel. And the reason that's so important in brain health is when people begin to be compromised with their brain health, very frequently they have insulin resistance, which in the practical effect of that is the glucose, which is the fuel for the brain, cannot enter the brain cells and the brain begins to die. It can't pass through the blood-brain barrier. On the other hand, ketones are in alternative fuel that can immediately penetrate the blood-brain barrier, and you're back in business. You've got the energy. As I mentioned, your brain is the most uh, hungry organ uh, in your body for energy. It constantly needs enormous amount of energies. When you provide it with ketones, you're, you're starting to fuel it up. And so uh, let me go back to... Uh, you, you absolutely are going to want to listen to Dr. Heather Sanderson. She is a clinical doctor in the San Diego area, clinical neurologist. She was starting to use Dr. Bredesen's method, which is a basically a lifestyle method that you work in tandem with a knowledgeable doctor because you're going to want to get things checked. You want to get, going to want to get your hormone levels checked, for instance, as, a, as an obvious example, you want optimal hormones for optimal brain health. Um, Dr. Sanderson found, wow, I, she said, she gets chills from seeing the miracles every day that she's seeing from people recovering brain health. But there was a problem and the problem was that it's hard sometimes for people to do it because you have to do it. It's not just taking mm -hmm. a pill. So she created the world's first Alzheimer's residence called Marama, designed as to for Alzheimer's residents to move in on a temporary basis and return to a better brain function so they can go home and live independently again. How about that? It does everything perfectly with the Bredesen protocol. So you don't have to worry about, oh, is all my food organic? The meals you're served there are organic. Nice. You don't have to worry, gee, are all the cleansers that I'm using, you know, around my house and on my dishes and in my laundry is everything, you know, the least toxic possible. That happens 
at Marama, et cetera. And she gives you very practical examples in my interview. How can you do Marama at home? Mm-hmm. And so you are absolutely going to want to hear what this remarkable woman, Dr. Heather Sanderson, one of my heroes, has to say. Now, this is starting... The, this we have this linked up, folks, in the in the show notes. Today is October twenty fourth, Tuesday. For those of you listening or watching live, or shortly thereafter, according to what I'm seeing here, this is uh, starting on Tuesday, October thirty first through Thursday, uh, November 9th. So we That's got a number right of here. days of a lot of presentations called Brain Health Breakthroughs, and I believe it's free to participate. Yep, so it's all totally you do free. Is sign up, and we have the links in the show notes. I don't know if Super Don sent anything out in the newsletter, but please sign up for our newsletter at robertsgabbell.com. We, we want to keep you up to date, and we do, on many of these opportunities that you have to learn uh, beyond what uh, the talking heads in the media will tell you you can't be done, right? They all say, it's impossible. No, people are doing it every day. And uh, thank God Pe- Peggy has put a lot of these folks together in one place for you to really do a deep dive and find out what you can do now, help your loved ones, your family, your friends, yourself in this regard. So uh, this is good. Of course, we have links to your book as well. And uh, any other highlights or spotlights? I mean, I'm already intrigued by those that you mentioned thus far. Well, I was very uh, thrilled. I got Dr. Roberta Diaz-Brent in to join the summit, and she is the leading researcher in women, hormones, and the brain. And so uh, two-thirds of Alzheimer's patients are women. Why is that? I always assumed, well, Alzheimer's is a disease of aging. You know, the more you live, uh, the more prone you are to getting it. Once you're 85 and above, you have a 50% chance of getting Alzheimer's. So women live longer. That's it. No, no, that's not it. It has to do with happens hormonally. And she's going to explain that to us, the difference between what happens to women's hormones as they age and men, and that she sees as the difference. And she is going to explain that to us. And I always love to speak to Dr. David Perlmutter, who is one of the best communicators Mm -hmm. um, about brain health, who gives us his latest research on uric acid, uh, which wasn't something I was terribly aware of before as a real risk factor for Alzheimer's and tells us what we can do. And he is a pioneer in uh, getting us to understand the importance of the microbiome, the gut brain connection. We will talk about that. Mm -hmm. We will talk about epigenetics, how what you do every day impacts your gene expression so that even if you are genetically vulnerable to Alzheimer's, in other words, even if you do have the APOE4 gene, you don't have to get Alzheimer's. You're not doomed. Not at all. Educate yourself. Sign up for the series. You can watch it all for free and learn what you can be doing. And from doing this work for so long, I automatically do it. I automatically ask myself a question I learned from Dr. Daniel Amen at my last Brain Health Summit. I learned mm-hmm. he just, he said he taught his kids everything they do to ask themselves, is this good for my brain or is this bad for my brain? <laughs> Peggy, there, there's another thing, and I love that uh, Perlmutter's on. We interviewed him many, many years ago for the first time, and now we're a lot. Uh, you know, deep into these subjects that I appreciate. Um, 
What about the role of cannabinoids? That's something that came onto the scene only within the last you know decade or so, even though it was being explored uh, and uh, CBD particularly, but uh, it seems to be another thing that can help recover brain yes. health. Is there yeah, an yeah. expert you've discussed this with? Yes, I am. Um, I also have podcast Brain Health Breakthroughs and I did discuss it with a doctor there and I write his findings in my updated book. So you will have access to that. CBD is, you know, uh, I speak to Dr. Daniel Stickler in the summit. Now, there's a cool guy. He is a neurohacker expert. He's one of the neurohacking experts. And for the those of you not familiar, you may be familiar with biohacking, which essentially means like you hack into your computer, you hack into your biosystem, you hack into your own biology to get it do, to do what you want. Neurohacking is hacking into your brain. And he's an expert neurohacker and he it sits down and he talks to me about peptides which he feels are an absolute health revolution and how you can biohack your brain with peptides and which are the best peptides to do this so mm -hmm. come at it from many many angles i spoke to an amazing researcher dr sid o'brien who at uh texas in um University of North Texas, I believe, who's the only person looking at how does Alzheimer's affect different ethnic groups in America? And he has a huge grant to actually look at brain imagery for people of uh, European background in the US, for uh, African Americans, for Hispanics. Their brains look different. They, they express Alzheimer's differently and it may mean they have different risk factors and there may be more common uh, lifestyle risks and you won't find this information anywhere else. This is an amazing interview and totally unique. Yeah. Um, Lori is asking if they, you know, if you sign up to be part of this to watch it, what if you miss something? If you can't be there for certain presentations, how, how will you be able to watch it? What's the uh, update for those folks that are interested? Well, that's a great question. Thank you so much for asking. There's uh, always a weekend repeat. The, the way it works is there's a new uh, video every, every day. day with these illustrious doctors. And then there's a weekend repeat where they're all available. And you can watch them all or watch one again or, uh, you know, see one that you missed. We want you to get this information. Uh, if you decide to purchase it, uh, then you can get my book and you'll get all the transcripts as well, plus other bonus material. But at any event, watch it for free because uh, we're all, uh, our brains are under attack. There, there, there's simply no doubt about it from everything you described, this constant chronic stress, the foods that we are surrounded with that you know that just people reach for something in a bag there are kids be we need to know this to protect our kids i spoke to a doctor not in the series a friend who told me she, she's a pediatrician she sees kids who are really messed up health-wise who never eat anything that doesn't come out of a bag mm -hmm. and yeah. well, this is not good for our brains We've also acknowledged the assault on these children when the when they're born or even before they're born with the exposure to various heavy metals, 
uh, in utero and or other uh, chemicals, then the assault by the pediatric community that still believes that these children suffer from hepatitis B shot deficiencies, the aluminum that comes in, that's another big part of this, uh, how to counteract it. Uh, we've had many shows on, on you know, the contributing factors and that some have argued that autism, these the brain disorders in childhood are really the same, just manifesting in a different age group, if you will. Uh, so that across the spectrum, it isn't just about old age. Do you have a little bit of time? Could I talk about amyloid plaque? Um, yeah, we got a few more minutes with you before I got to hit the next uh, topic. But yeah, please. Okay. The medical establishment has been obsessively focused on what is Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is a disease caused by amyloid plaque, the sticky protein stuff that gums up the brain. That's what Alzheimer's is. How are we going to get rid of Alzheimer's? We're going to come up with a pharmaceutical drug that removes amyloid plaque. Everything about that statement is wrong. And they've obsessively held on to that for decades as they wasted billions of dollars trying pharmaceutical drugs whose purpose was to remove amyloid plaque. And when they did, people deteriorated. Yet there was never any questioning about that. This year, um, within the last year or so, the FDA finally approved new drugs for Alzheimer's. It's like they just gave up and said, well, nothing's working, so we're just gonna approve it anyway. All these drugs are designed to remove amyloid plaque. They're dangerous, they don't work, and they increase your risk of death by a blood aneurysm and stroke. So that is a completely uh, fallacious uh, theory on the part of the medical establishment, and they've wasted decades with it. What is Dr. Bredesen's understanding of amyloid plaque? Amyloid plaque is part of the immune system. Amyloid plaque is a protective measure that the brain expresses to protect you from something going on, to protect you and try to entrap toxic insults, such as the ones that you mentioned, including I might mention mold. Mold turns out to be an enormously part of this story, which uh, uh, he and other researchers were not expecting. So alumina, all these things, um, the, the the amyloid is there to trap them so that it doesn't enter your brain. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, amyloid is there when you don't have enough energy getting into your brain because you have insulin resistance. Amyloid is there to start downsizing the brain and saying, I need all this energy to keep things going. So I'm going to I'm gonna shut down what you had for lunch today. We don't have enough energy to do that. So it's a, it's a protective downsizing mechanism. There are reasons for everything that happens in the body. There are reasons for everything that's happening when you start to experience cognitive decline in dementia. And my one message to you is, please watch this and learn some of these reasons. It's not happening just because. It's happening because of reasons. And you can find those reasons and you can correct them and get better. Peggy, you are doing such extraordinary work. I love the clarity of your communication about what you have uh, brought or about to bring to the world through these doctors you've interviewed. 
And I've uh, acknowledged much of what you've said of some things we've t- we've talked about, but you'll be able to go much more in depth in those uh, interviews. And uh, just really extraordinary. And I hope everybody, if you're in this audience, you probably will, but go ahead and sign out, sign up right now for the Breakthroughs to Better Brain Health. There's a big yeah. purple banner. You'll see at robertscottell.com. Yeah. Brain Health Breakthroughs. Yes. <laughs> and uh, you can learn about that. Get Peggy's book on awakening from Alzheimer's. Uh, and it's how America's most innovative doctors are reversing Alzheimer's dementia and memory loss. Uh, also, uh, um, you know, she's got a personal website as well. We have linked up in the show notes. You want to learn more about Peggy, but she is doing extraordinary work. Peggy, you did, you brought it, you uplifted us all in, in the midst of a lot of intensity. And I appreciate that. What a wonderful thing you're doing. Thank you. We're all in charge of our own brains and we all need our brains given the times we're living in. So God bless you, Robert, and God bless everyone listening. Yes. Peggy Sarlin, thank you for being on board today. We'll get you back on again uh, in a surprising new way. I think maybe next month uh, we'll let everybody know when that happens. So thanks, Peggy. That was great. Uh, And I know I see a lot of enthusiasm in the, in the chat room as well for this subject. And thank you for doing that. Um, Super Don and I are working on it along with some others, uh, bringing the concept of the long COVID and all that it entails and helping you to break through, break break free of it, get beyond it. And that's something that's an ongoing, uh, uh, let's say, development. We're uh, really working hard on that. So we'll let you know when that comes out. We do have a question of the day, a very simple one, in fact, as we're heading to the top of the hour here. Uh, this is coming from Carol. It's a very simple one. I like this. Sometimes they can be easy. Where do you get your great freedom T-shirts? <laughs> Well, this one I got from the Great Northwest Awakening I'm wearing today. I'll see if it says anything there. The Great Northwest Awakening. I just bought it when I was there. But a lot of them, you know, I see these these designs that will pop up from time to time. A lot of them come from uh, We the People Holsters, I believe it is, out of Las Vegas. I, I like their designs, and I've gotten a lot of their T-shirts. A number of them I've gotten from Jonathan Emord, who has put these beautiful things on T-shirts and hoodies, although the hoodies he's done are so expensive relative to what you can get from China, but I mean, organic or quality, high quality cotton, American made. And I think the the hoodies, he told me the wholesale was 140 bucks and it's untenable. Most people are not willing to spend whatever you got to do on top of it to, to make your money back even, although he's done that for the campaign. Uh, but from time to time, of course, we have people in our audience, including Lori Harvey, who has some fun t-shirt designs, including uh, follow the science, no slash through, follow the silenced. And, and so there are people in our audience that are doing that as well. And in fact, uh, sometimes there are giveaways of these things at our monthly AMAs for those of you who are patron supporters of the Robert Scott Bell Show. And, and speaking of that, Saturday. yeah, we, during uh, the interview you were doing there with, with Peggy, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, we got our new, ourselves a, a new member of the Patreon family, Cheryl. Cheryl. Joined. All right. Welcome. So Cheryl, if you're watching right now, which I think Thank maybe you, you might be. Welcome, and we'll we'll be looking forward to meeting you uh, on Saturday if you join us on the AMA. That's the 28th, right? And that is the 28th. Yeah, it's a noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We do a two-hour meet and greet on Zoom, and it's a it's a free-for-all, <laughs> not in a bad way. <laughs> Isn't it funny how it's evolved over time? Yes. Where indeed. it started off, it was an ask me anything, so it was like almost exclusively like, if you want to ask Robert Scott Bell a question, yeah. he'll answer it for you. Uh, and anymore, it's like sometimes, I mean, we still get some questions, stuff like that, but it's like everybody's contributing to what it is that's being talked about. It's not just a listen to Robert Scott Bell situation. Right. 
In fact, we it, learn it, stuff from 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 the people on 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 the AMS. So that's right. It's it's, in, it's indeed the case, and I'm grateful for that. <clears throat> I'm grateful for you, and welcome Cheryl to the family officially. And those of you who'd like to contribute as little as five bucks a month, you can pay a year in advance. It helps us to do things that we don't expect to be able to do sometimes, or don't expect that we need to do. Right now, we're migrating the website off of GoDaddy to something better, uh, and that's thanks to Jeffrey Smith's uh, friend Geege, who did a lot on his website. Uh, for the Institute for Responsible Technology. And I'm grateful for that. And so that's happening. Thanks to all of you for helping us do that. Also, thanks to those who sponsor this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty very directly, uh, like uh, our friend Bob Rioran from Folium Products, foliumpx.com. If we think about the brain health issue, I think that's a huge part. We know heavy metals play a role, even ionizing radiation substances. And these folium products are sensational at binding and, 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 and helping move on out from the, from the body, the things you don't want and need in your body. So if you go to foliumpx.com, use the discount code RSB10 and get some uh, 10% off and as well. Get the folium products, the folium original, the folium immuno, and the folium relax. As I said, this is the stuff that got my mom back on the dance floor at 89 and uh, she's taking it. And uh, you want to break through that ceiling in your healing. I recommend highly to consider putting to the test. Folium products, foliumpx.com. Also, Nutritional Frontiers, as you can see, I've been taking this on the air. Some more of my favorite certified organic U.S. grown hemp CBD. Uh, in the midst of the tension and stress, which I was feeling yesterday heavily. And, you know, a little rest. You were kind of today. feeling it today, too. Yeah, it's a little bit still exists today. And, you know, if you guys want to talk about my opening or Super Don, if you want to chime in in the, in the second hour as we open with some other stories, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, unburdening myself. I've talked about this show being a cathartic experience for me to unload, um, you know, what I'm feeling. My intent is not to burden you with what I'm feeling, but to maybe give you some insight into how I'm processing it or the thoughts I have about what we can do to, to, uh, not only survive it, but thrive in the, even in the midst of the things that we don't have genuine direct control over, but those that we do, we should uh, apply all the, the spiritual energy we have to help, uh, and maybe mitigate some of these, the worst of these things, uh, recognizing, yes, there may be considerable limits to our power, but I think unlimited in terms of creation and our ability to not be manipulated into living in fear and anger and all of these passions of the mind that can only uh, serve to destroy ultimately if we let them control us. So uh, with that, uh, should we take a top of the hour pause, a little education break? I think that's a good idea. Okay, so we'll, we're going to talk about... Uh, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Of course, the awareness that the uh, chemo and radiation people want you to have is let us get you checked out and let us give you chemo and radiation. <laughs> that's not our way. Uh, and that's certainly not the way of uh, Megan Smith, who joins us in hour two. So I'm looking forward to that interview as well. And uh, hearing from you, if you're in the chat room, chime in, let us know where you're listening or watching from and uh, sign on for that great uh, Alzheimer's uh, summit that we've just talked about this hour. And we'll be back with more powerful healing because the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. This hour back on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Megan Smith returns. We talked to her about her uh, documentary film, Boobs, The War on Women's Breasts. 
Uh, she's got some new things that she's going to share with us today in a little while. And it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And it's not the awareness that the uh, the pink ribbon crowd wants you to have, uh, but it's the kind that will actually help you and help those you love. So that's coming up this hour as well. Uh, we can talk more about um, heavy metal toxicity. There's an article about lead impacting 5.5 million heart disease deaths and a loss of uh, almost six points of IQ uh, in America and and beyond. Lead uh, is pretty nasty. There are ways to remove it. They are not really discussed. In fact, they're almost deri- there's a, der- a derisive response to this by those that would utilize something like EDTA chelation or other forms of uh, heavy metal detox and removal. The role of selenium in binding metals. Um, the, you know the role of enhancing liver and kidney function. Uh, so many things, including hydration and even hydrogen. But it looks like in this article, you see a lot related to the exposure to lead, which still exists. Uh, the lead that's in the water that has not been cleaned up. Obama didn't clean it up. Nobody's cleaning it up, apparently. Uh, it's more, you know, I guess we've talked about the cost effectiveness. If you're not going to clean it up, filter it out. You know, there are ways to help, you know, filter water. Uh, our friend, my friend, Paul Bertero with Echo Technologies has a really superior technology in filtering out these metals and, and other things, uh, whole house units, as well as point of use under sink on top of sink units, as well as adding the molecular hydrogen, which also enhances the detoxification capacity of the body. Uh, so that's, those are some things to discuss, but first and foremost, I want to open up the mic for super Don just because he didn't get a chance in hour one. And, and I always uh, like hearing from him. I know he's annoyed sometimes when I have him open the microphone. I'm not leaning on you, Super D, but <laughs> but we have both been feeling the intensity of what's going on on planet Earth right now. Yes. And I, I wanted to unburden myself and maybe hopefully provide a different perspective or a way to, to you know, for lack of a better way, say deal with what we're all dealing with because we're on the planet, right? The concerns right. we might have for an expansion and where, the, where that goes and what that means. And, you know, I always end up going back to the spiritual you know, grounding, if that makes sense. It's kind of, that's an oxymoron, spiritual grounding. Wait a second. But (laughs) hopefully you understand my intent or or get what I'm trying to communicate. Uh, But I just wanted to see how you're doing, my friend, as my chelidonium point still aches a little bit. Yeah, my chelidonium's okay. But uh, yeah, I don't don't know. Um, It's it's weird. It's, I you know, which is, I mean, that's maybe that's a weird way to put it. Mm-hmm. To call it weird, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I try and get a handle, put my finger on what it is that's going on in the world right now. And it's very difficult mm-hmm. uh, because there's stuff going on; it just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it reminds me of I you know when the whole situation happened three years ago with the with the pandemic and all these crazy things were happening. It was, it was hard for me to like form sentences even more than normal, yeah. uh, and and it was like. Because yeah. I'm looking around, I'm going, wait a minute, what are they doing? Wait, wait, you can't do that. Well, how, but they are doing that. What is these mandates and these, you know, these shutdowns and and it was just nuts. What was going on? It was hard to kind of wrap your head around. And now I'm looking at the situation. What's happened with the Middle East? Uh, you know, and, and the, the the stuff that happened in Israel. You know, a couple. I guess what it's been a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Um, and now you've got all these things that are happening where it looks like we're we're heading towards potentially a major conflict here that involves us mm-hmm. and, and it's like that's something we've never lived through 
right? Really on that level, right? You know, a lot of people there. You, you hear the murmurs of World War Three, you know, and you think yeah. of World War Three. Look, they've talked about that for you know all of our all of our lives, right? Sure. The the threat, you know, the specter of World War again, right? Yeah. You know, but it's never been a real thing. It's just like, oh well, you know, they're just saying that, but that's not really going to happen. Well. There's some crazy stuff going down right now. Um, you know, they've, they've formed uh, a new axis of evil. Have you seen this? Mm-mm, no, I'm not. Yes. China, Russia, and Iran now, they're saying, is the new axis of evil. So, mm-hmm. you know, when they start throwing stuff out there like that, you know, it's just kind of like, uh, you know, is this, what would, is, 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 the, is the tail wagging the dog in this situation? Sure. It's hard not to look at this stuff and, and having grown up uh, and, and being subjected to uh, propaganda that I didn't know at the time was propaganda, but, you know, eventually I ended up, you know, through being a skeptic, a good one, yes. um, after being a bad one, and, uh, you know, the stuff that I've learned, stuff working with you, you know, having even more of a skeptical mind as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard not to look at the stuff that's going on in there and go, sure. this just doesn't make sense. You know how it's, you can, you can literally see the, 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 the dominoes falling. Right. You know, and it's right. like, oh, look, now Iran says they're going to get involved. Oh, look, now China's sending ships to the Mediterranean. Oh, look, you know, here's this thing, that thing that happened. It's like, and it almost seems too perfect. It, it almost seems like somebody is seriously pulling strings and pushing buttons in this situation and making these things happen. Uh, because they want this to happen. They want this to be the end result. Mm-hmm. Now that aside, because that just makes your brain hurt. That makes my brain hurt. You know, it's just like sitting there trying to absorb all this and make sense of it all. Right. For the first time in a long time, probably I would say for the first time since, remember the whole Y2K thing? Yes, of course. Right. You know, yes. everybody got all, oh God, everything's the end of the world. Well, it didn't happen. Right. But I was concerned. I mean, there, there was a legitimate concern at that time based on the information that we had with the way the technology was and stuff like that, that something really catastrophic could happen. Uh, fortunately, it didn't happen. I'm looking at this situation here and I'm going, if this all goes the way it looks like it's going, what kind of an impact is that going to have on me personally and sure. my family yeah. and my friends right? and my community and stuff like that? Because what we don't world? know. We've never lived through anything like this before. What world will our kids and their kids live through? And, you know, we can't control everything, but that which is within our control to do to do good, to make a positive impact. Uh, and there are varying ways to do that. I mean, some get very active and go into politics to make changes. And I, I just, you know, in my opening today, I just had to leap beyond all of that, if I can call it that, and go right to the deep heart of connection to the entirety of creation and say, and you know what? I, I totally, I, I, I dig that. I do mm-hmm. where I'm coming from in here is a more practical point of, of, of view on, sure. on the situation. I'm thinking if, if we end up going to war mm-hmm. uh, and if we're dealing with the terrorism side of this thing, which I, th- yeah, you know, I hate to concerned. say it, man, I hate yeah. to say it, but it really seems like we we are in a situation now that we've never been in before. Yeah, the threat level, I believe, uh, is higher than it's ever been. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and so if something like that happens, what literally are we going to have to deal with? What what effect is this going? Are we are we going to be? Uh, you know, what kind of chaos w- will we be dealing with potentially? And how prepared are we to deal with that? 
Well, doesn't it make more real all the things we've been discussing in terms of preparation, growing yes. food, storing food, uh, having backup communication. In fact, we're going to talk more about uh, satellite communication as a backup to the cell phones. There's a n- number of ways that these other countries or other entities, terrorist cells could sabotage life as we know it. And this isn't, I don't believe by talking about it, we're not intending to fear monger anything. Not at all, dude. Look, or, I'll admit right yeah. now, I, I, you know, this, the, I'm not saying this to try and scare people. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this because I'm kind of scared. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. I am. I'm looking at this stuff that's going on. I'm just kind of like, what would happen if the power went out tomorrow? If there was some attack on the power grid or something like right. that, or some major thing that disrupted the the uh, the supply chain. Remember right. how we dealt with part of that during yes. the pandemic, right? Talking mm-hmm. about, you know, the, the the trucks getting to the stores and, and all that kind of stuff. And people were out, oh. you know, buying toilet paper whenever they could find it. It was silly because there really wasn't that big of a, an issue. Mm-hmm. I think people panicked and they created an issue. Right. Well, it tells you what could happen Yeah. based on that. Uh, so all the things that we do focus on in terms of preparedness are not in, in, in engaging in fear-mongering, but I think in responsible assessing of the potential for anything, as I said, with, with or without war, there are so many factors that we are unconsciously relying on to go really well for us to live according to the way we're used to living. And that can get upset. You hope it's only temporary, but there could be longer-term disruptions based on any number of things here. And uh, I think it it's prudent, that would be the word, to take steps now, not after you have to, when you have to, but before you have to. That way, you're okay when the inevitable comes, any which way it comes. Right. So I uh, appreciate your insight and your concern and your, as well, honesty and in, in relating how you're feeling, too. That's an important part of this show. You know that. And uh, they, they can hear from me all of the time. There are times where I'm like, I even say, hey, what does Super Don think? What is he at? And uh, getting perspective on some things, if I'm going off the off the rails on anything, but I really wanted to, again, ground it deeply into our our our, you know, historical context. So if we learn from history, uh, or not, you know, how we repeat the same mistakes over and over, and again, how that we are manipulated into through fear, and anger and hatred to, um, you know, partake in the Hegelian dialectic, and to, you know, then to take the sides that. There are certain points where you have to say, I need to take a side when somebody is attacking me and that's my side or my family side or my community side or my country side. But at the same time, uh, to not engage in a wanton destruction or invasion. But I pointed out as well in my opening monologue how our own government has declared war on us, the American people. And that's been going on for a long time as well. So there are various forms of war. Not all of them are as overtly kinetic and, and, and in your face horrific to see. Some are subtle that don't seem to impact some, but others it does. And those people are saying, hey, what about us? And those people who are not affected go, well, that doesn't affect me. And, you know, we get into that selfishness, not in a good sense selfishness, where we don't uh, regard other people's freedoms as important as ours here in America, for instance. That even if you don't enjoy or concern yourself with specific freedoms of healing cancer without chemo, the people that had no dog in the fight could care less that those doctors that were doing good work without chemo were being attacked and delicensed or threatened, right? They didn't, oh, it's not my fight. How often do we hear that? It's not the hill I want to die on. And then they keep moving and gaining ground against those of us who love freedom, but we're not willing to stand up for other people's freedom. You know, freedom of speech that's abhorrent. That's why it was written, not for the stuff we all agree with, right? Uh, so with that, I think we need to talk about boobs now. 
you know, that just uh, that's a, just a, a great way to what? What? Great lighten, way to what? lighten the load, I guess. Lighten the load. Now, I don't know. Depends on the boobs, but. Uh, what we're here to talk about is your health, the health of your memories. And it's not just women. Men have Thanks memories. Thanks for the memories. Right. And uh, we've had her on before, uh, Megan Smith, and the documentary she did. I think there's even more since then we're going to learn about uh, from her. But it is, there's the, there's the War on Women's Breast. Um, that was the uh, documentary film. And um, I we need an update. It is so-called Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but the awareness I want is not to get more ionizing radiation and mammograms, but to find other ways to address uh, the concerns that we have for cancer of the breast tissue or anything related to it. And uh, joining us now, Megan uh, Smith's back. Megan. Hello. How are you? Well, we're, as you can see, we're going through a wide range of emotions, as most of us are right now. Uh, a lot. That was we have quite a segue. Quite a segue. Yeah. World War yeah. Three to breasts. Right. I know. And, and, but I, but there's been a war on cancer, which is really a war on the people's right to know about ways to address cancer that don't involve a war on themselves. Right. Correct. With chemo, radiation, et cetera. Right. Yeah. That's the name of my my um, video is um, boobs, the war and women's breasts, because they're fighting over how to take care of our breasts and. In the end, we're we're losing the battle and we need to wake up. And I'm here to tell women more of what's really going on and not what they're being fed in their doctor's offices, in short. Well, yes, exactly. And uh, is there still a controversy or does everybody know about the danger of mammography and ionizing radiation actually contributing and causing breast cancer? I think I think intuitively women know that when they're standing in that machine, getting their breasts squashed and radiated that, you know, what are we doing? But I think they don't know there's a better way and there is a better way. And I think women are also understanding that they're like, well, what about the ultrasound? Why can't get, why can't I get an ultrasound? And their doctor's like, well, because you have to have the mammogram first, because that's the standard of care. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason this is where I mean, it kind of comes down to if I can just launch right into it. Mm -hmm. um, dense breast tissue is the big kahuna in the room that um, they're finally starting to talk about. The FDA finally came out with um, a new rulemaking that didn't do squat, except for it will tell women that federally mandate that they have to tell you if you have dense breasts and why you have it. And that is that you are at a higher susceptibility for breast cancer. What they don't tell you is that, that the reason you are higher susceptibility is because the dense breast tissue absorbs more ionizing radiation. And so when you're the denser your breast, the more they have to crank up the radiation coming out of the mammogram. To be able to see through the tissue. Exactly. To differentiate yeah. between cancer, which is white and dense breast tissue, which is white. And they don't tell you that. So they're giving you more when they talk about it's low dose radiation. First of all, it's not low dose radiation, but it goes up from there. I mean, I think there's very few women that are getting on the low end when they go in for a mammogram because we all have some degree of dense breast tissue. And all of my friends, I've, I've asked them all. There's only one that's been told she doesn't have dense breast tissue. So um, they're doing exactly opposite. They should be letting us get an ultrasound if we want to avoid the radiation because ultrasound is all, can also pick up a tumor, but it doesn't give you the radiation. And the, the literature I've seen on average, it's about, it's about equal to picking up tumors. And so there's no reason for them not to give us the ultrasound except for, you know, 
fill in the blank, whatever you want to think. But, mm-hmm. you know, they just put a lot of money into these 3D mammogram machines and they want to get their money back. So they're chasing women down on the phone, sure. telling them they have to get their mammogram. So how's, what do you feel about the, the word on the street, right? It, you know, years ago when we talked about thermography as one uh, alternative, uh, it was a radical thing to say, you know, or to tell women, hey, you may, you know, not want to just, to throw your breast on that thing and get radiated. And it was a radical thing. Now, I sense that it might not be as radical to talk about this, but maybe, you know, I'm not as immersed in it as you. Is there still a lot of pushback from the medical community on this? For thermograms? Well, yeah, against thermograms. Um, the thing, thermograms was studied back in the 70s. They did this huge um, mammography versus thermograms and ultrasounds. And they didn't carry on the study right. It was put on by American Cancer Society. And even a- ACS even admitted to me in an interview that that was a terribly run study. They threw thermograms out right away. So since then, doctors are like, well, it was proven not to work. Well, first of all, it is an FDA um, approved tool. It's just not regulated. So the problem is we have good thermographers and we have ones that don't have good equipment and maybe their heart's in the right place, but they don't really know what they're doing. And that's that's a little frightening. So they really do need to get it regulated. I'm, I'm pushing for a study of mammography against ultrasound and thermography, because then you have a you have a um, MRI, ultrasound and um, mammograms are all a test of anatomy. So they're going to pick up a tumor. Mm-hmm. Thermography is great because it's picking up heat or um, inflammation in the breast that can lead to cancer. That's what you want to pick up. You want to pick it up before it's a tumor. You know, there's these centers or points of foci where there's injury and inflammation, which is heat, uh, that are undetected or undetectable even via X-ray that you'll pick up years before uh, an X-ray will pick up an abnormal growth. Right. And so it would seem to me that if a doctor had some level of integrity, he would say, well, that only makes sense with or without the quote unquote regulation. But so many are blinded by these studies that are not often blinded, that are often corrupted with you know conflicts of interest. As you point out, they're poor designs. They don't follow it through to the end. And then they are basically parroting back mantras that they've been taught, whether it be in medical school or afterwards, by those that profit and benefit from the treatment for cancer. That indeed that profession that supposedly detects it uh, causes it or contributes to it greatly. Makes no sense at all. I mean, we're doing the polar opposite of what we should be doing. So, yeah, I mean, is there pushback? I, I don't think there's much pushback because they don't doctors don't know about it. And if women go to their doctors and say, what about thermograms? They're like, I don't I don't know anything about a thermogram. Hmm. Yeah, that's basically what they get. But the ultrasound they do know about, but they can't pr- they can't prescribe it. Yeah. It's standard of care. In the description of you as director, producer, writer of the film um, that we've been talking about, there's a second film, and I don't know where it is in the state. Is it complete or not? It's called A New Standard of Care. That's uh, You can investigate highly contentious area of non-conventional cancer therapies dedicated to your late husband, Proctor. Tell me about this project. So um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I just got the um, trailer up on YouTube today. Oh, do we have the link? Um, I sent it to Don. Super Don, do you have the link to the, the cancer? Okay, it's A New Standard of Care? Yeah. I- I don't know how long it is, so we, we might not be able to play it. I don't know. It's four, but, it's four minutes. So yeah, okay, it's long. But uh, Super D, you got that linked up in the notes, I hopefully, or you'll add it. But I'm curious about where this is taking us. Is this something you're going to play now, or you're just showing me in the background there, Super D? I need to know what's happening here. 
I see it silently. That's Thomas Lodi. Yes, my friend, is. Dr. Lodi. Yeah. So there are sort of people here we I'm know. I'm just playing it. I'm just playing in the background so you can get background. the visual. Okay, yeah. I, see, there was one of Dr. Nick Gonzalez's patients. I know these people. You got connected well, to some good folks. I, I That's American Cancer Society, Otis Brawley. Yeah. And wow. um, that oncologist right there, medical oncologist, um, Tom Harkin, Senator hey. Tom Harkin. Jimenez, you know, Jimenez, Dr. Jimenez, the late great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You've got a, a, a real rock star uh, group <laughs> that have participated in that. Uh, so I'm excited about this. So that is just now available as a trailer to view. Uh, do you have a release date on that actual finished film yet? Or is it too soon to say? I'm working with Eric Marola, you know him, he did the Brzezinski films and mm -hmm. um, he's my editor and um, we're hopefully going to get it, roll it out within a week. Whoa. So, okay. Um, yeah, it's going to be on YouTube. I just want people to see it. I'm just okay. I'm not doing anything fancy this time. Um, it's four and a half hours long. It's everything you wanted Whoa. to know about cancer, alternative cancer therapies, and most importantly, why they're not being used. Okay. I'm not saying this to jinx it, but, you know, we've been banned on YouTube. Uh, yeah. The Bollingers have been banned on YouTube with their Truth About Cancer series, right? right. Do you have a backup plan? Are you going to be on Rumble? I just want to be sure that they don't, if they try to cut you off, at, you know what? So. I know. Um, I always roll my films out at the worst time during the pandemic, and now YouTube's got problems. Um, so I'm looking at, at a distributor, and hopefully they can figure ways around this. But I don't know. It's our, okay. you know, We have no – our medical freedom is going oh, away. Oh, I know. Uh, messages that counter the, the existing uh, pharmaceutical narrative uh, are often found – to be banned by things like YouTube. So I just want to make sure people have access to it. They have a, ba a backup plan with your team. Right. Uh, but I'm really We're happy that you put this down there. Yeah, it's terrible. But yeah, I'm very excited. I also interviewed the National Cancer Institute. And so I have them saying some very interesting things. And um, the reason I got involved with this is because my husband passed of lung cancer and he died of the chemotherapy. I'm absolutely positive of it, not mm -hmm. the cancer. And I had three friends drive um, die of breast cancer after their breast cancers returned after 10 years. Women always think I'm cured. Well, you're cured if you change your lifestyle, but sure. um, you have to be careful. It's chronic disease. And anyway, so my, the oncologist um, in Proctor's, the first oncology appointment we had, uh, somebody in the meeting, I won't say who it is, <laughs> approached the doctor and said, what's this about you guys getting kickbacks for chemotherapy? He got up and he closed the door <laughs> and he said, here's what's going on. Sometimes I have to give a patient three chemos instead of two or I'll go out of business. Mm -hmm. And that sat with me for about six years after my husband's death. And I went, you know, nobody's talking about that. So it's more than just kickbacks. Sometimes to make up the money because they've tried to pull back the kickbacks, some of them, it sounds like they're putting more chemo into the Double down on the drugs that they sell at a profit uh, just to stay in business. Yeah. I mean, that, if that's not an inherent conflict of interest on, on cancer treatment, that there, there is no criminal. It's criminal. Yeah. I mean, they're putting people into the ground earlier. Yeah. Well, so. some people have, have survived a long time and maybe overcome it totally. But, you know, we just recently lost a friend in Suzanne Summers. Mm -hmm. uh, who lived decades longer than her prognosis. Uh, I think she used a little bit of conventional therapy, maybe surgery. I don't know that she ever the did radiation. chemo. Yeah, she, radiation. I actually bit. interviewed her. Yeah. yeah. And and yet she lived a more holistic lifestyle, organic right. and, you know, supportive detox. And eventually, apparently she succumbed to a recurrence of it. Uh, but I appreciated her candor through her journey and all that she communicated. And that, for me, is what uh, really spotlights what you're talking about, this new documentary, A New Standard of Care. I mean, she was 
pushing the envelope beyond standard of care for breast cancer. And she did, in fact, survive decades longer. Yeah, and it may, you know, it may have been, she, she said she really regretted getting, regretted getting the radiation. And my, my dad's, um, he had, he had prostate cancer, got radiated. 20 years later, he developed leukemia. Mm-hmm. And American Cancer Society said, yeah, it may have been from the radiation. And I just wonder, 20 years is about when hers came back. And I wonder if maybe it was because of the radiation she had, because she said she always regretted that. Yeah, that's a very, very good possibility. Now, are you going to be out at any events coming up? I, I, we've got some upcoming events. would love to see you at, but I don't know what your plans are in traveling. Once this film is out, you, you have to go out and tell the world. Yeah, I'm um, the Annie Appleseed and um, the Best Answers for Cancer in February I'm looking at. So now people are coming, starting to have conferences again. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm just throw something at me i'll I'm, listen i'm starting to look into that now so okay well, well just to let you know if y'all check out the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com today's the 24th of october uh, about a week and a half from now we'll be at the functional medicine summit and expo with our friends doctors terry and Stu warner along with dr david brownstein dr brian artist dr jack wolfson dr judy mikovitz i mean it's it's a it's another rock star uh, roll roll call and that's going to be happening november 3rd 4th and 5th phoenix scottsdale arizona um, there is, uh, I think today and tomorrow, the 24th and 25th, you still have an opportunity to get the discounted hotel rates where it's going to be held in Scottsdale and a discounted, uh, uh, what do you call it? Signing on to be part of it, right? You want to get a ticket to be there. Uh, so please go to, uh, wellnessparenting.info. Uh, and if you just click on the link in the upcoming events tab, you can see it there, November 3rd, 4th and 5th. And it looks like, um, let's see on the third, the third, uh, my friend uh, Doug and Brian, they're they, with Flicka Seed Soil. They have the organic soil I use in my garden. They're in Arizona, and they're setting up uh, an event at the the Giving Tree, which is an organic vegan restaurant, which is really delicious. I'm not vegan, but I I don't mind eating it occasionally when it's done right. It's so good, and they even have really delicious desserts. So that's fun. Uh, but they're going to be, it looks like Friday the 3rd, an event where Brian Artis and I will go to and uh, be there for that. And they bring out a good crowd as well as uh, the the Functional Medicine Summit and Expo. That's Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona. So please check that out. There's also Superdon. I think there was something in Atlanta for those that want to plan ahead for 2023. I know we have uh, an Autism Health Summit, but there's also another event in Atlanta in March, I think, that they're putting on. Um, there it is, a Functional Medicine Summit and Expo. It looks like March 8th, 9th, and 10th in Atlanta. Uh, and that's uh, happening. So if you guys want to participate in that or anybody wants to exhibit, reach out to them, uh, drswarner at protonmail.com, drswarner at protonmail.com. And right after that, another Atlanta area event, uh, my good friend Tia Severino is hosting um, the uh, Next Steps 2024 conference. So these are some things, Megan, you would be more than welcome to be at and participate in or just join in. And rub elbows with all the good people that are doing good work like you. Okay, great. Thank you. I yeah. will look at it. <laughs> so again, the trailer for the new film is out just now on YouTube. Four minutes or so. We played a little bit in the background. So check that out. And if you think it'll be out within a week, that's exciting. Uh, we're right on the verge. I'm glad you're on today so we can give people a heads up on it, a new standard of care. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. Anything else we didn't cover with you? Because... I know you're not on every day, but I certainly appreciate what you do. Um, I could, I mean, I could talk more about <clears throat> breast cancer, what's going on with the um, mammography problems, the radiation yeah. amounts, the 
Tell me what you want to know. Well, please, I know you already referenced something that's very important about the breast density issue and the fact that they're not giving you informed consent on the amount of radiation that if you have dense breast tissue, which now they acknowledge how they have to crank up the machine even higher. And, and even then they can miss things. I mean, the, the false positive, false negative. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And I often think of, you know, these annual tests as precipitating the inevitable, which is they're causing the thing that then they, they get the profit from treating so that many of these detection centers are the same ones that end up treating you. So that I think there's conflicts of interest there as well. Yeah, there's there's conflicts all over the place. Um, if I could talk about the 3D mammogram, because that's a new beast right now. Everybody's okay. kind of excited about it, and they shouldn't be. <laughs> it, 3D mammogram. 3D, which is another a nice way of saying CAT scan, basically. Yeah. Um, so even and, more radiation. Yeah, well, they claim it might be a little bit less, but in what they're not telling you is that they take the 2D, which is what we have now, the old one, and 3D, and they put them together. And if they don't have a software, they take them back to back so you're getting twice the radiation instead of at the same time. And they don't tell women that. You have to ask the facility. I tell women that. You have to ask the facility, do you have the software that takes Mm -hmm. the pictures at the same time? Then you'll be getting about the same amount of radiation. But it's still, it's a lot more radiation. They tell us um, it's the same amount of radiation as flying over the U.S. When they say that, it's about scattered radiation and not absorbed dose that's going into the breast. That can be up to 20 times the amount that they're telling us. Yeah, I I want to reiterate what you've just said, Megan. In terms of flying over, you know, at high altitude, you do have exposure, but it's, it's everywhere a little bit. What you're talking about with mammography is a lot in a little concentrated area. It is not comparable. It is not comparable. And I think it's an important distinction to make. Right. So we have that. They're also, when they compress the breast, there's a thing called um, uh, induced cancers from trauma. Mm -hmm. That is trauma. And if you have a a breast uh, a tumor, it can actually squish the tumor. And, and cause it to spread, it yeah. spread metastasize, yeah. yes. That's in the literature. All this stuff is in the literature. I did a deep literature dive. That's how I found out all this stuff. Um, the radiation, I had to talk to a Columbia professor. He was the one who told me, I don't know why they're talking about scattered radiation. That doesn't matter. So um, oh, DCIS is another thing women should be aware of. DCIS is ductal carcinoma in situ. Mm-hmm. It's a precancer. It's a stage zero. They had to make up a new stage. And they're finding it through the mammogram. That's the only way you can see it. And that it shows up on the mammogram as um, calcifications in the breast. And so it's a precancer. But they tell women, well, if you really want to be sure, you should have your breast taken off. So women are running to the breast to, to the breast surgeons, surgeons and having at least one of their breasts, if not both of them. Prophylactic. Prophylactic. Yeah. It right. just, this is the stuff we, we used to, you know, not liking the jokes we had to make, but you know, people like Angelina Jolie who are deceived into getting these pre, you know, uh, prophylactic mastectomies because right. they're genetic predisposition in their family. Right. Everybody got cancer, but never it was a, ta- a discussion about what was the exposure vectors in their family that was common to them, that breasts are not the cause of breast cancer. And removing the breast doesn't eliminate the cause of breast cancer or other cancers. You still have these other lifestyle factors that are completely ignored and you end up butchered and then you might end up, if you're doing reconstructive surgery, other things put into the body that can also contribute to ill health and autoimmunity. Uh, so it's, again, another part of the, you know, disease induction machinery that profits going in and going out. 
Right. And that BRCA gene that um, Angelina had, that it doesn't occur very often. And that's actually partly responsible for DNA repair. So what so they're doing is that, yeah, they're having the women go in with these. They're lacking a gene that repairs DNA damage from radiation. They're having them go in early, 30 years old, 35, radiating the patootie out of them. And so they're putting them at more risk and they have them usually going in every six months for a mammogram. It's totally yeah. backwards. It's another thing that's the common sense is like not there. Yeah. Well, to oversimplify something that you can read in your genetic code is meaning that you are likely to get cancer. It's no such thing. In fact, as you point out, it's also part of the repair mechanism. And so uh, it, it's demonstrably false. Yet women give up their body parts. And, you know, I've often said that, you know, if men were told, hey, look, you've got this, uh, uh, let's say, DRCA gene and you need to remove your testicles because they could, I mean, would men do it? <laughs> I, I wonder, you know, would are women too, you know, too willing to give up the body parts due to authoritarian doctators, so to speak? Uh, and uh, I would just urge you to hold on to your body parts. They are not the cause of cancer and li live a different diet and lifestyle that could preclude the, you know, the manifestation of cancer or, or its spread. And, you know, we talk about removing heavy metals, um, selenium being very critical for uh, countering ionizing radiation. Uh, we now have access to the folium products, which is a Chernobyl level antioxidant that came out of the Chernobyl radiation disaster all those decades ago. And it's a botanical blend that's binding heavy metals and ionizing radiation metals and pulling them out of the body. It's amazing what we can do now with nature as our alibi, not synthetic toxic poisons or highly profitable monopolistic practices that contribute to further trauma and more cancer. Exactly. And if I can go back to the testicular cancer, I came across this also stage zero testicular cancer. Okay. They tell those men to watch and wait, mm -hmm. not have their testicle removed. Right. And stage zero breast cancer, you should probably get a mastectomy. Yeah. Well, as I said, it's a very uh, patriarchal male dominated profession. And mm -hmm. I've said this, I haven't said it in a while, but women that go into the medical profession to become doctors have to subjugate some of their femininity. Uh, and I know that can be controversial for some to hear, but uh, you got to understand in order to succeed in medicine, uh, that nurturing part of your, that intuitive part of yourself is drummed out pretty much because a lot of times you'll have this intuitive uh, inclination to say, this is insane what they're telling me to do and right. they can't have that. And so that would be drummed right out. That's where I say women have to subjugate some of their natural uh, inclination to, to not do the things that modern medicine would have you do. I do. I do think also your audience would probably be interested in this when I was, so I've been, I was, I've been traveling around the world for like eight years filming. When I went over to the EU, I thought I would be, you know, I thought they were more progressive than us. And they were at one point and Switzerland was open wide, you know, doors would just swing wide open. Yes. Everybody was like, no, 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 I can't talk to you. I can't talk to you. And I was like, what the heck's going on? And so pharma or whoever, big medicine has yeah. been really good at now infiltrating EU, even Switzerland, Mexico. I had a Mexican clinic tell me, I can't talk to you. They're coming after us. Wow. Somehow they've infiltrated. Yeah. Hmm. So and that's going. the place where a lot of Americans go to like to Tijuana or Cancun, different things, including Tony Jimenez has a right. wonderful clinic there. He's doing the Gonzalez protocol and many other things to help people. And Mexico realized the, the benefit for opening up for medical tourism, the benefit to the country uh, and freedom and healing. I, I still am urging one state, just one start there that would open up and kick the FDA out and say, this is a medical freedom state from now forward. 
we're going to allow innovation. We're not going to suppress via monopoly standard practice action. We're going to allow for innovation. We're going to allow fully informed consent, of course. We're not going to cause cause people to suddenly hang a shingle to pretend that there are what they're not. That's not the point of having freedom. Uh, but at the same time, imagine if there was one state that did that, the medical tourism that would flock to that state for innovative therapies. That state would be an economic boom town in the midst of all of the other things. And they can't figure it out. Either that or these governors and these uh, regulators are so compromised that they can't consider what would be good for the people of the state and the state itself. Yeah, Arizona is still pretty. I'm here in Sedona. That's where I am right now. They're they're pretty, pretty open still, as you probably know. Um, But, yeah, their their pressure is coming from all over now. And the vaccine thing during the mRNA thing. They, it just yeah. gave them the door. They got their foot under the door now, and they're just taking full advantage and taking us off YouTube. And yeah. I don't know, yeah. nothing's left. You just, know, when naturopaths can come out of naturopathic school and vaccinate you, that something's gotten gone horribly wrong. Um, Megan, you should join us. I mean, again, if you're in Sedona, you're not that far from where we're going to be uh, the second, third, and fourth. We'd love to I see. I just you. heard about that function today. Literally, somebody sent something. I was like, because I've had my, I'm just like looking at my oh, yeah, of course. film done. I'm like, oh my God, I have to get out there and do PR now. <laughs> it would be great. Yeah. Because there'd be a lot of people that would want to know about what you're doing that could also help promote it. So yeah. it would be ideal if you have the time to come down and see yep. us that weekend. I think I might do that. <laughs> yeah, and bring your friends. We're going to do a lot. And even that event at the Giving Tree. I don't know if you've been to that restaurant. It's no, a delicious. That sounds yeah. great. <laughs> They're good, good people there. They're not militant. They're very nice people, right? For anybody that's, you know, not a vegan, you're still welcome there. Uh, and I appreciate that. So, yeah. So, hey, good work, Megan. It's great to have you back on board today. Thanks. And I'm so excited about your new documentary. There you go. There's the old one. Boo, the old one. Good. Boobs. And I think Don's going to put up some uh, links to um, you can buy this film at uh, st- and stream it at boobsdocdoc.com. It was the um, distributor was Cinema Libra who did the Vax movie. Right. Um, and then my, I have a blog on boobs, blog mm-hmm. on boobs.com for my blog. There you All go. right. Well, good yeah. work, Megan. I appreciate you so very Thank much. You. I look forward to seeing you maybe in a week and a half. Maybe so. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right, it's Megan Smith on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Glad to have her on board. Great discussion. Uh, and really, uh, you want to talk about pressure and information for those that are not aware of the danger of ionizing radiation and how it's delivered to particularly women's mammary glands. Uh, even uh, men with moobs, probably they're not big enough to squish between a mammography machine. So that's why it's focused mostly on women. But yes, men can get breast cancer too. And it can be even more devastating because they, they never check it. But it's not because of a brick of gene. It's due to all of the other factors we've talked about for years here. Uh, it's not a mystery why this occurs. And there are certainly emotional and mental and spiritual and economic stressors that also play a role in, in manifesting cancers, including breast cancer. But we cannot overlook the most obvious in terms of heavy metals, restriction of blood and lymphatic flow that can come from wearing bras that are too tight under wires and things. We've, we've covered that with Sid Singer on, and, and his book at uh, Ty Bollinger's spotlighted as well. The truth about cancer. So there's a lot more than we can cover in any one segment or any one show, but I'm glad we did today. So thank you, uh, Megan Smith for that. Now we do have a homeopathic hit of the day. I'm going to cover between now and then. And it's one that, uh, it's weird because when you think of homeopathy, of course, you've learned enough to know that you take a substance from nature. That substance from nature can be toxic, can be dangerous in its mother's state. 
but when converted to a homeopathic form, oh, you didn't get the, oh, good Lord. I've got to send, no wonder why it's not. I thought I sent it back to you, Super D. Do you want to talk? To I just the realized that you did not. <laughs> Do you want to talk to the folks and I'll go up to the other computer and send it to you real quick and then you can post it or no? Because we've still got time, but it requires you to just kind of shuffle your your lips and say some profound stuff while I go up and do that. Uh, It'll take me a quick second. You got announcements to make, uh, invitations to do, opinions to share. Profound stuff, dude. I'm so unprepared for that right now. I know. That's why Um, I'm giving you a minute to think about it before I run off and do this. Oh, I see. So I'm just supposed to pull some profound, profound stuff right out of my. You can talk homeopathy with the best of them. A hundred percent. Oh, totally. So as you think about what to say, I'm going to continue here to talk for a moment more about it. (sighs) That you take a mother substance that can be dangerous and toxic and you completely neutralize it in terms of its toxicity and danger, right? You take it by dilution succussion. Now it's not that thing, but the remedy that we're going to cover in a moment and yeah, stand by for that you, you is something that even in its homeopathic state, good luck finding it. I'll explain why, but why it could be important and helpful to you and why you should be able to get it. And that it is not technically it should not be a schedule one drug. Let me just say that. So super D, are you ready to talk about anything for a couple of minutes while I go send you the, the file that I neglected? Hold, it's my on, bad. hold on, hold on. You're punished on, because on. of it because you have to come up with stuff. I now. am not being punished. No. Um okay. hold on a second. Here's okay. what I'm gonna do. All right. Uh I am going to and you're just gonna have to wait for a second. Okay. <clears throat> Here in just a moment. Okay. You tell me when I'm free to run upstairs. Yeah, and- that's okay. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go ahead and play the um the trailer for Megan's upcoming uh, thing. It's about four minutes long. That'll give you enough time to go do what you got to do. Okay. You tell me when you're ready. So yeah, hold on. It's got to process real quick. So anyway, (laughs) sorry about that. I should have, you know, the thing is, is we were just, we were getting ready. We had people that were already connected and we were talking and stuff and I didn't realize that you hadn't sent me the PDF. So I thought, you know, I probably did, but didn't hit send, you know, had it up to that one point where I got to click one button and boom, it's there. So it won't take long. So you're rendering so, it? Anyway, yeah, it's just processing. It'll be ready in a second. You can go ahead and take off. All right. Have fun with Super Don for the next couple of minutes or less. Yay! So anyway, um, uh, Megan, who we just had on, Megan Smith, uh, said that she had an upcoming uh, movie that she's going to be coming out with called Standard of Care, I think it's called. And she sent me the trailer for it. It's about four minutes long. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and play that. We'll watch that while Robert's doing his thing. Thing. So here it is. I am a seeing is believing kind of person, and I believe in drugs. <laughs> if surgery worked, cancer would be easy. If chemo worked, to be none of these things work. I thought, my gosh, what look what you're doing to me? You know, you're taking out this organ and that organ. I did have my oncologist tell me that when I was when I was 60, I'd have the heart of an 80-year-old. Harm from treatment is a real problem. Oftentimes, if you follow the guidelines, you'll kill people. I think we're doing it backwards sometimes, yes. Is that the standard of care? That's the standard of care. It hasn't been working so well so far. I suppose desperate times (laughs) require desperate measures. And to me, alternative therapy is a desperate measure. It's unbelievable what's happening. I mean, it's, I mean, I've been told it's, we're close to a, a big breakthrough. It's a medical breakthrough. In 10 years, I never saw any of my patients lose their hair. Not one. Not one. As it turns out, they thought the machine was broken. So when we go into his office, 
um, and he opened it up, he was very freaked out because... There was no two males. Here we go. They were gone. He just leaned against, back against the countertop with his hand on, it, on his chin. And I was like, so, you know, what did the scan say? <laughs> he said, whatever you're doing, it seems to be working, so just keep it up. So this past week, I had a follow-up MRI, which was 16 and a half years after my initial diagnosis. And to this day, all that remains of the tumor is scar tissue. So I began to think, how come they're not looking at some of these things? No one can understand why these trials weren't funded. They were effective and non-toxic. So what's the problem here? Then unfortunately, it just wasn't doable, it never happened, um, and the funding went away. Nobody's helping us, everybody's trying to <laughs> put us out of business. I'm talking about governmental agencies. They should be first to help us, but they're first to hurt us, okay? I believe that they thought they were going to be successful in bringing him down and putting him out of business. Then you get in trouble. Then the government's on your case. So I was on the the stone floor of our exercise room with the uh, pistol to my forehead. It's still, it's a dangerous game. If that's the way the FDA conducts all their investigations into potentially helpful drugs, that's concerning to me, quite frankly. Yes, I'm admitting that unfortunately there's some doctors who've forgotten what professional means and they milk the system. And I think in most of these cases, they know what they're doing, they know but there's too much money riding on it. And if they can get away with it, then why not? There are, is no morality in there, it's strictly a financial deal. And um, that's not acceptable. You know, cancer's big business. Trillions of dollars of research. Where are we? A little bit better off than we used to be. We're looking in the wrong place. So, you know, the whole system is rigged. There is not a standard of care. just in case YouTube pulls it, we got it up. There you go. <laughs> on Rumble on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Uh, standard, new standard of care. All right, so now we're ready. Thanks, Super D. We got it done. And we are going to go into our homeopathic hit of the day, but how do we do it? Like this. Playing all of the homeopathic hits every day, right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, the homeopathic hit of the day is a Schedule One drug. It's known as opium. Yeah, you can convert opium into a homeopathic remedy. It will not get you high. It will not addict you. In fact, it might help you to undo an opium addiction. So why would it be considered a legend item, a legend drug, a Schedule One as a homeopathic remedy? All right, this is the remedy known for stupor and constipation. These homeopathic hits, they are brief discussions of various remedies available to you in depth in a Materia Medica, like the Boriki that I often use and refer to. But we're going to get into the opium uh, homeopathic and its particular efficacy in treating these particular things like, uh, well, stupor and uh, constipation. Now, the origin of opium is indeed the latex obtained from the opium poppy. So the mother substance is the same, 
Uh, it's very profitable, and many governments still run opium poppy fields, Afghanistan, other places. But in this case, that substance is then carefully processed and potentized via serial dilution and succussion to create the homeopathic version of opium. When you talk about physical characteristics, it's not a mystery. Uh, if if you know, I hope you don't know, but people that are hooked on opium, they don't go to the bathroom that often. They are often very bound up and constipated. Uh, they, uh, ha, you know, are stumbling around in a stupor. They're unresponsive. You've seen the opium dens, the imagery. This is the kind of thing that would indicate, even if you're not addicted to opium, if you have symptoms like this, that remedy could be helpful to you. And once again, as a homeopathic potency or attenuation, it is not going to create an addiction. It is not going to get you high. But apparently the DEA can't figure that out. Now, on a mental uh, level, individuals needing homeopathic opium may experience a lack of fear. Think about that. If you're you know, high on opium, what are you afraid of? You, you have no connection to you know, concern for your well-being. Emotional numbness. Think you know, I don't Pink Floyd's comfortably numb uh, and a sense of detachment. Yeah. If you're high on opium, you're detached from the world. Not in a good way. Uh, in terms of primary uses, we talk about the word stupor, S-T-U-P-O-R, effective in dealing with stupor and unresponsiveness, especially when accompanied by, well, snoring and heavy breathing or heavy breathing. So maybe somebody is having such a deep sleep, you can't wake them and it's abnormal. It's not something they should be. Um, then the homeopathic opium could be indicated. Constipation, that's pretty straight out, forward out there, doesn't get out of you and it should. And particularly when the individual feels no urge to pass a stool, because when you are constipated on opium, you don't have an urge to do much. Uh, so it, it's kind of a, a constipation that doesn't come with, I know I need to go, I can't go, right? You're feeling the urge. But uh, opium would be indicated when you don't feel it, but you know you need it. In terms of potencies or attenuations, you're probably going to find it not lower than maybe 10x or 15x if you can find it at all, or 12c, 24c, or beyond in these low attenuations, uh, dealing with milder issues or, or constipation in a mild way. But medium or higher attenuations or potencies, uh, chronic stupor or severe constipation, um, consult with a qualified homeopath for correct uh, dosage on that level. But I'll just say this as I get to complementary remedies in a moment, and I misspelled Podophyllum Superdon. I just looked at that. I hurried through it, and you can correct that if you don't, if you want. There's an extra U that shouldn't be there. The first U in Podophyllum should not be there. Podophyllum. Podophyllum. But we'll get to that in a moment. I'm just going to say good luck finding homeopathic opium because they treat it like it's actually opium as a Schedule One legend prescription item. And, and so if a company has it, they probably are afraid to sell it to you. So you might have to go overseas to find it, or they might be called by another name. And I don't know what that might be, but I'm just saying it's a viable remedy. It's a safe remedy. It's a non-toxic remedy. It doesn't addict you. And it should be made available for the use that we've described thus far. So as we go to complementary remedies like Nux Vomica, which is often used after opium for lingering symptoms of constipation. Remember, Nux vomica is a liver polycrest, addresses the stomach as well, uh, poisoning and other issues. Belladonna comes back here, complementing opium and treating stupor, especially when there is redness of the face or dilated pupils. Again, very specific. Not everybody would be indicated for the use of belladonna, but that's a possibility. 
And then I added the misspelled version of podophyllum, complementary remedy that addresses vertigo. That could happen in case of uh, opium, but, you know, more of a stupor, but vertigo could be, as well as, of course, constipation. Podophyllum could be indicated for both constipation and diarrhea, interestingly enough, but normalizing it in either direction. But the fact that it also is a good remedy for constipation is why I added it in there. Now, generally, it is safe as a homeopathic medicine. Please avoid uh, prescribing, self-prescribing for chronic or severe conditions. And if symptoms worsen or persist, please consult a homeopathic professional. And just rounding it out, just as a reminder, it is a versatile homeopathic remedy. Good luck finding it, particularly for stupor and constipation. Please stay tuned to the Robert Scott Bell Show for more enlightening dives into the world of homeopathy through our homeopathic hit segment. And remember, this is not to replace your doctor. It's not to diagnose, prevent, treat, and all of the stuff we're not supposed to be doing, but it's providing an information, education, to give you the opportunity to make more informed decisions about the health of yourself and your family. There you go, Super D. We did the end of the day. Opium. Opium. Are you going to take that U out for me and then then republish it? Yeah, I'll fix it. Yeah, thank you, my brother. So if you guys are are waiting to download the document, Mm -hmm. uh, I will have it up, say, like, in an hour or so. Okay. And and for those of you who are grateful for Super Don's efforts there, please consider supporting the show at least by sharing the show with others through various uh we do Instagram, it's Ask RSB, Twitter, it's Ask RSB, uh on Insta no on Facebook, it's the RSB show. I think yes. that's right. Yes. And our um telegram channel, thanks to Kevin Tuttle in Israel now, uh is uh fans of RSB show. For those of you that do the telegram, I heard it's gotten pretty point, pretty heated there too. You know, the dialectic really? is playing itself out everywhere. Yeah. Over what, Israel? Yes, of course. Uh, of, course. of course. People are being manipulated into, you know, one side or the other. And, and I'm not saying that there aren't sides to take at certain points, but again, the, the bloodlust and the hunger for, you know, think about, you know, we should do this on the way back because we got we, we got to wrap up here. Yeah. Bonus round. We're going to talk about some controversial topics. I got more to say. So if you want to stick around, it's about 30 to 60 seconds from now or less. If it's a blip, it means you're on the podcast later. Because on the Robert Scott Bell Show, it also is just true that I remind you that the power to heal is yours. I like that comment. Jackie, you're in. (laughs) RSB Show Rocks followed by... Best of the best. There you go. I think we recovered you know, today. I, it was a good I, show. I Listen, I appreciate mm-hmm. comments like that. I really do. Mm-hmm. But I also, I look at that and I go, what? It's just us talking, you know? It's kind of like people are just like, we love your show. And I'm just like, why? You know? Well, it's a, <laughs> uh, it's a, let's say. An I don't feel it, you know, it's just, I don't know. I feel like, and some have described it this way, it's an oasis of sanity in a sea of insanity. In Maybe so. You know, and I try right. I try very hard with, with when, whenever we're talking and stuff like that. Because there was a time mm-hmm. before before I got, like, real. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously. You, you know, especially real? when I first got into doing this, we were, you know, I was first getting into radio. Because, you know, when I started off in radio, I had zero experience. I didn't go to broadcasting school or anything like that. I, they, they just hired, I got hired at the network because I had a good cover letter. Mm-hmm. Real honestly, you know? And so then, you know, then, you know, I got into it. It was like, Oh, well you have to talk this certain way and you have to say these certain things and you have to act a certain way and stuff. And I love the fact that I can just get on here with you and I could just talk. 
I can just, you know, it's, it's what you see is what you get. This is like real. It's not a performance. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, trying to sound. And there are a lot of people and you're the same way, Robert, you know, when, when, um, when you, when you talk to Robert off the air, he's the same guy. Okay. And that's rare, uh, quite often in, in, in broadcasting. Well, who else was like that? Didn't you find Jerry Doyle to be authentic? On Jerry was a hundred percent. Yeah, there was just more cuss words, right? <laughs> with, yeah, no F- FCC with, to, with to Jerry, um, and there were some other talk show hosts that were the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there were others that uh, were they were just a completely different person when the when the microphone got turned on because mm-hmm. it was a performance, right? Right. You know, and when they weren't on the air, it was they were very bitter, miserable people. <laughs> there is that. Yes, there is Yeah. That. So anyway, I mean, if that's what you guys like, cool. I'm glad. Um, because, you know, I want this to be just a, really a conversation. Yes. Um, more than a, a presentation. Well, people like it uh, when we disagree as well. And, and, and the thing is, it's not our, you don't look for things to disagree with me on. You're just being real. It's like, this is my perspective. And of course, what do I do when you disagree with me? I, I yell and scream. I, I cry <laughs> like a baby. And, you know, it, yeah. no, I appreciate it so much that we get to talk about these things. And there might be subtle, distinct differences that, but even if there were more severe, it's not the end of the world. It's like, my gosh, this is what we need to be able to do to be able to have different perspectives and opinions on things and be okay. And in fact, enjoy each other. Appreciate each other, respect each other, and again, this no, is why you can't do that. So. You can't do that. So, what was it you wanted to talk about? I forgot already. I think. See, we yeah. lightened it up, and now you. I did. I, I, well, I'm well, sure it was. A, oh, you it's know, your I do telegram. Know. I, I do know. Well, it was about the yeah. the animosity, the Hegelian dialect. Everybody taking their sides on this issue. No. Granted, if you're an Israeli and you had received that attack. You want to take care of that. Who wouldn't? Wouldn't you? As an American, if somebody attacked you, you'd want to, at the same time, you know, in the history of warfare, you'd like to think that there would be some sensitivity to trying to minimize the injuries and deaths of the innocents among them. Although, arguably, you'd say, well, is anybody innocent there because they're all born into hatred or taught to hate Israel, Jewish people, etc.? Uh, and so here's the, the the difficulty, the controversy here is that there are people in Israel and, you know, whether Netanyahu or others that want to wipe out everybody, level Gaza to the ground. And I don't know what you say, start over. But the illusion is that you can eradicate all of your enemies on planet Earth by nuking them. That's a delusion that can never happen. In fact, if you just say the physical manifestations of taking out the entire Gaza, there are underground tunnels everywhere where there are people hiding that are going to come right out afterwards. So no, that's a non-starter for me. You've got to figure out a better or a different way that doesn't involve just a wanton destruction of everybody and everything, because you'll also create more enemies. This was Ron Paul's message, was it not? Blowback. You're, you're over there, you kill yeah. somebody's brother, now they've got a lifelong bloodlust to, to have revenge. And, and you know, the, 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 the element that uh, is interested in uh, eliminating the Jews doesn't all exist in Gaza. Right. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're not going li- to, you're going to create foment more hatred now. And you create martyrdom, nothing, you know, but, you create yeah. martyrdom is what you yeah. do. Yeah. So it's a no win scenario uh, in that, you know, for those that would say do nothing at all, you, you know, you, you, you are opening yourself up to weakness that would, would bring on more. 
attacks. Um, so what is the legitimate means by which you can defend yourself? Who makes those rules of warfare? Uh, and uh, it's just, there's no way to to win even in, a, in a, an argument discussion on this issue because people are entrenched into their beliefs about one side or the other. Uh, and, you know, I, I have my admitted biases because of my background and backstory and family history. But I try to be honest about those things at the same time being very sensitive to I, I don't want everybody or the attempt to well, let's kill everybody because that's naive. That's so spiritually immature. You can't eradicate everybody that hates you or wants to kill you. It's just not possible on this planet. Otherwise, you live in a permanent state of war and everybody is an enemy. And this is what I've talked about, the germ theory and its absurd conclusions that you draw from it. If the germs are indeed the cause of disease, we are living in and among germs. Germs are living in us. We might as well kill ourselves. And now I'm not advocating suicide, but I'm just saying, where's the logical conclusion? If you're to say we have to eradicate or that kill them all and let God sort them out scenario or, 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 or finality or it's not final, but this is where I bring up the uncomfortable belief system, which often is shortened to BS. Everybody's got to be a belief system. And I'm not calling to the carpet anybody's belief system that's different than mine, just to acknowledge there are perspectives on this planet and have been um, before, during, and after Christianity, and even part of Christianity that encompassed the idea of living multiple lifetimes. You know, consider reincarnation as a possibility. It was voted out in the Council of Nicaea. It was part of Christianity. Now, whether you believe it or not, this is not me trying to convince you of anything other than to acknowledge, hey, could that be one plausible explanation? And might that be helpful to go, hey, you're an Arab, you kill a Jew, you're going to be born as a Jew, and you're going to come back and go, oh, wait a second. Or you're a Jew in Israel, you kill an Arab, and you come back, you're born as an Arab. How do you learn your lessons better than that, interestingly enough, over many lifetimes? Again, I'm not telling you to believe it. I'm just saying in the design of the school of life, could that be one possible thing that we end up making the same mistakes over and over because we're so reluctant to learn and that we are indebted to those who we've taken their lives in a wanton manner, not in self-defense in reality, taking it beyond that. And then we have a karmic debt that we have to repay in this life or the next or the next life. And I just ask you to consider it for those of you who are willing to look into things that may be uncomfortable to your uh, personal belief system or uh, theology or, or dogma uh, to explain some of these things. That's all. I bring it up because there are discussion points. Some of you are like, go, Robert. Other you go, oh, I can't believe you said that. That's the right. nature of reality. We all have different experiences and beliefs about things. Uh, so uh, I throw that out there as another consideration uh, in the hopes that we maybe we can come to our senses and, and, and mature and grow spiritually, that we won't perceive that we can actually, through violence, and war eradicate our enemies totally. Well, how long, how long has there been uh, 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 war in the Middle East? Yeah, thousands of years, as it has been around other. So I guess they're still well. working on on achieving that level of enlightenment. Yeah. I guess. Huh? Yeah, I won't pretend to even know what the solution is because mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's a it's a problem bigger than me and my capability to try and, mm -hmm. and and be the the guy that comes with the answer. So you know, yeah. my my. Uh, you know, I'm paying attention. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. I'm watching what's going on because I think it's important to know mm -hmm. what's going on. But I'm I'm kind of in the mode now where I'm thinking, okay, you know, if this thing blows up full scale like it looks like it is, now you got a RAN that are that RAN is is basically attacking U.S. troops by proxy. Yeah. Um, and they're getting involved. China's sending you know ships right. over in the well, Mediterranean. We know what they're so, setting up for the question is, is it a done deal? 
Or is it I don't know, to but the thing is, is I'm kind of at the point now where I've seen enough where I'm going, okay, I got it. There, there are things I'm, I'm uh, really behind on as far as being prepared mm-hmm. for um, the, the ripple effect. Well, dude, you've been pr- planning a wedding for your daughter. Yeah, well, even then, though, I mean, it's honestly something I should have been doing. So I'm kind of in that mode now where I'm going like, okay, so I need really need to take this seriously. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, I, I got to get prepared to make sure that I can take care of my family. Yeah. Uh, in the event that things really get messed up, you mm-hmm. know, uh, here where we are. Yeah. And so uh, that's probably where my focus is going to be and do a wedding at the same time. But, right. <laughs> yeah. Not much. Um, not much it's something on. to think about. It's something yeah. to think about, really, seriously, yeah. because, you know, what I mean, if we just threw some some scenarios out there, right? You know, let's say that there is some kind of a war or something like that or some kind of a terrorist attack or something, which I think is inevitable at this point uh, with what's going on. What what kind of, of, of effect could that have on you personally and your family? Mm-hmm. I mean, it all depends on what happens, but, uh, you know. Are, are you prepared, you know, if something like, so let's say the power grid went down. Let's say there was some kind of attack or some kind of a, you know, I hate to even sure. speculate out loud, really, because know, it's one of those I things know. where I don't want to be like, we hey, don't everybody. invest in the energy of it happening, but at the same time, it's part of preparations is why do you prepare? Because, you know, you play a worst case scenario and you start backing out of it from there. What do we need? And these, it's not like we have never discussed these things. It's just more... Yeah in our face right now with what's happening geopolitically and how it might affect us here in America where this show originates. Yeah. So these are very real issues. By the way, uh, Jackie RN says, I rocked it with Dr. Lee Merritt last night. Yes, Dr. Merritt has, I don't know how often her show is, but it was a Monday evening show. And uh, I think she never said she went two hours, but we did, we went two hours last night and it was via Zoom. She does her show via Zoom. And I appreciate her so much. We had a great discussion, a lot of great questions. And uh, if you can find out where her show is, uh, the Dr. Lee Merritt, um, maybe we can link to it if they can. People can watch it later because it, it was a lively discussion. We did talk a lot about silver as a therapeutic uh, agent of, uh, of infection control and more and regeneration and talked a little bit about copper and various other things that ended up uh, being part of the discussion. But Dr. Merritt's amazing appreciate her so much so if you missed it maybe we can find out where her show airs or where it goes into archives as it is again going out via zoom initially and then from there i don't know (sighs) let's see there was an article about uh conservatives going after the fda and its ability to regulate drugs the power to regulate drugs this is a good thing it's an interesting story in usa today uh, it says, from COVID meds to abortion, why conservatives are fighting the FDA's power to regulate uh, drugs. And, and of course, you know, a big part of this was the attack on ivermectin. Dr. Pierre Corey has written the book, The War on Ivermectin. And uh, he's become a, a, a great guy and a good ally as a physician to, be, to wake up to the hor- horrific aspects of his own profession and see, see better and do better. Uh, and, you know, did they have authority to do what they did to, to limit doctors who up until that point, enjoyed the privilege of utilizing drugs off label when they felt it was appropriate. And I know this was something that super Don had, you know, a lot to say about over the years, but in this case, uh, we're not talking about the drug companies facilitating. Don't tell anybody, but you should use it this way when, when it was never approved for that it's physicians themselves going, I've seen benefit here. Let's try it. 
and truly uh, innovating in the midst of uh, responding to an individual's needs, which is different. Uh, so the FDA has been taken to task in the courts and in some cases has lost. Another uh, controversy is the abortion pill, uh, Mifepristone, uh, and uh, you know, saying that they approved that so quickly for political reasons and it didn't go through all the safety testings that it should. Uh, and so there are people that are going, hey, wait a minute here. Uh, and uh, let's see. Uh, the Fifth Circuit blocked access to it, and it was later put on hold by the Supreme Court. So there's a lot of controversies going on here. And then uh, beyond ivermectin, what was the, there was one other thing they were referencing here in this. Uh, those are the two primary things, the abortion thing and the ivermectin thing. But I think the biggest concern is, uh, oh, there's vaping. There was also the vaping issue. Uh, but the biggest concern about these attacks is they're saying the FDA will not be able to have the power and authority to regulate these things. And I say anything that could reduce the power, scope, and authority of the FDA will be to the benefit of the people, ultimately, as we in freedom can do much better than we can uh, being controlled by a monopoly, uh, a medical monopoly that has captured the agency known as FDA. Uh, so that is an article we didn't get to, but I just thought I'd comment on it a little bit here in the bonus round. So Lee Merritt is is uh, drleemerritt.com is her website, The Medical Rebel. Okay, yes. And I don't think your episode is up yet. Okay, but do they have previous episodes somewhere on that site? Yeah, well, it's interesting because I, what I did is I Googled Lee Merritt, Robert Scott Bell, and The Medical okay. Rebel showed up, and it says on there, October 23rd, Robert Scott Bell, silver and gold for health and wellness. That's what you mm -hmm. talked about? Yeah, we didn't her? talk as well. Yeah, we did talk a little bit about gold, uh, uh, goldbacks. That was fun. Okay, and I'll be speaking at the. So uh, uh, it comes Exodus up with company. you and your name, and it's a, a link to drleemerit.com. If you click on that, mm -hmm. it doesn't go to like you. I don't know. Was it a video or an audio? It was Zoom video, so it would. Uh, of course, you could con convert it to. Yesterday audio was audio. Monday, so X. Oh, here we go. Exit the biomatrix. It's called. But she does all kinds of stuff. She's yes, got she she's got like a different show on different things and stuff like that. So let's mm -hmm. see here. Weekly update, exit the biomatrix, uh, weekly update, substack and podcast. I don't know. It's here okay. somewhere. <laughs> I'm looking right, for well, it. Maybe you have to subscribe up. or something. I don't know. When I it can't. pops up, we'll let you know. $8 a month? Okay. I guess that's what it is. Okay. So it's here, but you get it's a doctor. It's a yeah, Doctor Lee Merritt, drleemerritt.com. Yeah, M E R R I T T, I believe. Yes. Yeah, you have to subscribe to exit the matrix. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, anyway, it's a great interview. So I, mean, I enjoyed cool. it. Look forward to being on with her again, or having her back on the show, or That's seeing right. her at the various events we end up at at the same time. She's a lot of fun. Maybe we should make people subscribe. I mean, I like that we can make it for free. I'm just kidding. I'm, everybody's just like, what? What? Okay. No, I'm just kidding. But look, there, there is a reason that people go to subscription-based models That's to support true. their efforts. So That's true. As long as you guys are supporting us and sharing the show, and maybe some of you can do the Patreon and things, or you, you, you support the companies that support us, then it gives us the ability to provide this to you. Sign for up for the brain health breakthroughs. Yes. please. Stuff do, like yes. that, really, honestly. That helps. Yeah. You know, if if... If you don't want to become a member member of Patreon, just I mean stuff like that. Subscribe to the newsletter and check out the stuff that we send you. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, uh, we got another one going out tomorrow, but um, I gotta I gotta work with Anna on that. But okay, you know stuff like that. 
Yeah. You know, uh, go, go, go grab something from nutritional frontiers or order some carnivore bars or, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. and it's, it's all good stuff. You get there's good nothing stuff, that we throw you at you that, that is bad. I promise mm. we don't, we don't sell Twinkies or, or Tylenol. So mm. cardio miracle. Yeah. There you go. Let's go. Let's go. Anyway. Um, all right. I, I want to talk to my buddy, Stuart Tomp. Uh, you asked about him, and then he suddenly appeared. And uh, you guys uh, miss Stuart? We haven't uh, had him on in a long time, Stuart. and I know yeah. he's 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 busy doing different things and stuff like that. But I'd yeah. love to get him back on. I miss him. Yeah, I don't know why, but this morning I was just I was just sitting here working on the show, and I was just like, yeah. And it was a reminder because he texted me when I was at Stuart? the event this weekend, and I meant to call him back, and it's just been so busy. Yesterday I couldn't get to it, so I'm going to talk with him after the show today in a moment. Cool. So, with that, uh, what's going on tomorrow? stuff i don't know hold on looks like we tomorrow. got tomorrow Nicole. nicole's wearing on oh yeah she's got the documentary we've talked about before maternal about maternal instinct or something instinct, like that yeah yeah about yeah. babies making yeah. babies and we sh- we're supposed instinct. to have ty he told he said last week that he would be, on, be on tomorrow okay we haven't so had if he's while. not then i'm going to give everybody his personal phone number okay and they can call him and yell at him. Well, it looks like I've got two events outside of the show where I'm going to be teaching Canadians about copper. All right. Do okay. You see we well, got on the uh, on Thursday Will Witt on again. He was on last week. Do we have him on again that quickly? We shouldn't. I don't know yeah, why. Maybe there's something a glitch in the matrix there. Then it looks like uh, John Gusty on Friday. And I, if I remember correctly, Michael Bolden says he wouldn't be able to be with us on this Friday. Yeah. So we need to double check all of that as well. Okay. And if Steve Howe and his, the cut on his hand gets better in time, we'll see yes on Saturday with the kids in concert. After we do our AMA. Yeah, after the AMA that morning. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Well, thanks for hanging out, guys. We appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, uh, for those of you that are looking to download the homeopathic kit, I will get to work. In fact, I'll probably be able to jump on that right after we're done here. Okay. Um, and I'll get that up there. So you can expect it to be up there downloadable in about 15, 20 minutes. Get that extra U out. I will do. I will get okay. the U out of there. Yes. And I know podophyllum is indicated for both diarrhea and sometimes constipation. That's why I threw it in there just in case. So for those of you that, uh, would like to have a better experience doing opium and not get constipated, you now have the homeopathic uh, option. The option for that. If yeah, that's why it. they're going to ban us. DEA is going to come. Are you, what are you talking about, opium? That's right. Homeopathic, man. All right. Homeopathic folks. poppy seed. The hit of the day, my friends. Thanks for being here. God bless y'all. And God willing, we'll see you here less than 24 hours from now. 